Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service that is dedicated to elevating great cinema from around the globe. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for thefilmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Robin Barr. Hola. We also have Bill Graham. I'm ready to break stuff. <laughs> and with us today, a special guest to help us talk about the newest installment in the Venerable Mission Impossible series, it's Courtney Howard. Hi, everybody. Thank you for having me. I'm ready to jump off a cliff on my motorbike and yeah. like parachute down. <laughs> I'm ready to cling to the side of an airplane, hold my breath for a long time, uh, dangle over a floor, all that fun stuff. Um, before we get How into How do you all, feel about suction cups? Uh, they're great as long as they work. Am I right? Yeah, as long yeah. as they turn green when they're uh, supposed to. I know. Red is dead. If not, give me a fire hose and I'll figure that shit out. Um <laughs> We are here, as I said, to talk about the newest uh, installment of Mission Impossible. Uh, we got Courtney here to do that. Courtney, would you like to reintroduce yourself to our listening audience? Uh, sure. I am a film critic. Uh, I free a freelance film critic, and I freelance for Variety, The AV Club, and FreshFiction.tv. That's where you can find my stuff. I'm also on Twitter, at Lulu Maybell, same with Instagram, and I'm also on Blue Sky now. Uh, same handle, Ooh. so you can find me a uh, blue sky there too. What's it? Uh, is what's it like in blue sky? Uh, it's not quite as engaging, but there's far less trolls, so it's heavenly. Um, but it's what, also what is kind of quiet. What is what is it called when you post there? Is you it ski. is it? It's called skeeting. No, no, it is it's not. Called, yes, <laughs> I swear to God, it's called skeeting. That's awful. <laughs> That's Courtney, please Look. confirm or deny. <laughs> um, so, so sorry, I got distracted. Uh, and I'm also an entertainment journalist too. So I talk, get to talk to people occasionally. I did not get to talk to anybody from this movie, unfortunately. Wait, wait, um, Courtney, you still have to confirm or deny that when you when you post something on Blue Sky, it's called skeeting. It's uh, not. A I have no idea. I have no idea what it's called. It's Skeeting sounds like a terrible term. Isn't that a sexual term? Yeah. <laughs> That's why I don't believe him and I think he's the, trolling. The Verge, April 27th, 2023. They're skeets now. <laughs> it's so gross. No. Yes. I swear to God. I, I believe you. I believe you because you cited a This source, company is, but... must be run by men. Uh, I think no. I think it has to be run by like clueless eunuchs who aren't aware of what a skeet is. <laughs> um, yeah, because it's it's a portmanteau of sky and tweet, like fucking morons. And was oh, it mastodon no. like toots? <laughs> like what is <laughs> like what is toots? <laughs> what is wrong with these these people? And threads are like you do a post, you don't do a thread, you do a post, but then you can thread the post, and then it becomes a thread. I I don't uh, whatever. I don't know. How how did we go so wrong? (laughs) I don't know. I'm still on Twitter. I'm finding it normal. Um, (laughs) 
for now until until Elon Musk starts selling it for parts because he's not making any money. Um, but yeah, Courtney, it's great to have you here. You haven't been here since episode four hundred and thirty-four, Luca. Yeah, it's been a it's been a hot minute. It has as been. in years, <laughs> <laughs> almost almost two years exactly. I know yeah. this because apparently the the film stage show is on IMDb. I I googled the film stage show and then Courtney Howard. What's our logline? I don't know. Let me let me. Oh it. no. <laughs> um. Yeah, the most look at it. It says the most recent one was Past Lives with Sarah G. Vincent. There's no photos. There's no cast information. Is this I don't not know. Jordan like? putting this on the website i have literally no idea it it is wrong because it says there's only 328 episodes there's definitely like 511 <laughs> now it said maybe those have been censored 2018 to present which is also wrong we've been doing it sadly much longer than that it looks like the first one that was ever added was tukey bookie oh hey a throwback episode yeah that's weird. Anyway, so that's that's when you were last on, Courtney. And IMDb, we have to thank for letting us know that. Well, I know I can repeat uh, what, a lot of what I said the last time <laughs> as far as my love of Bluey because there's new Bluey episodes out. Oh, my God. Hey. Did you see the one with the onesies? Yes. Oh, my God. So I just burst into tears in front of my daughter. Oh, my God. Well, I had advance warning because, you know, I roll hard with Bluey. So I had advance warning following a ton of people who saw it. When it aired in Australia, so I caught some of the clips there and was bawling just from a three-minute clip. Uh, and um, oh, so, I had so this is some up shit. A little bit, yeah, almost exactly. Yes. yes, yeah. And the whole episode, the way it's all threaded in, is like absolutely perfect and just heartbreaking. And mm-hmm. there's so it's also it's a funny episode too with the kids, you know, running around, but. Yeah, there's um, but, there's oh something God. hilariously adorable about Bluey running around in a zebra onesie, <laughs> trying <laughs> to escape her maniac little sister who's trying to eat her. Oh man, so good, so good. Yeah, Bluey, Bluey, still the goat. <laughs> Everyone should watch Bluey. I actually ran into a guy at a bar who was like in his forties, and we were talking about Bluey. And I was like, right, so how old is your kid? Like, we've been talking about how awesome Bluey was for like 10 minutes. And then at some point he was like, oh, no, I don't have a kid. And I was like, all right, well, now I'm just scared of you. <laughs> well, I, I still don't have kids and I love it. <laughs> well, no, you've got your baby. You've got yeah. little Daphne. Dog, but she does not watch really TV. She Although she did watch a little bit of Last Crusade with me. That was the only mm. thing she watched. I remember my dog Lana staring very intently at the TV when I was watching The Gray one time, and it very much unnerved my me. My God, you're always going around with the fucking Gray. It's a great movie. It's a great <laughs> movie. <laughs> hey, all right, let's get the fuck on. Let's yeah. go. Um, I actually one of my few threads was me doing that, like you know, The Gray 2011 director Joe Carnahan thing, and the thing that I posted that on was a gif of Professor Farnsworth from Futurama saying, to shreds, you say. Anyway. Um, everyone follow me on threads, at Brian J. Rowan. I'm not cool ever. Um, yeah, we're here to talk about <clears throat> Mission Impossible. Before we do that, all the usual stuff, follow us on Twitter, at Film State Show, Facebook, The Film State Show. Uh, find us on uh, iTunes and give us a comment or rating. You can email us, podcast, filmstage.com. And you can go to patreon.com 
to become part of our super cool Slack channel and to get first crack at a number of giveaways. And uh, yeah, all you got to do is go to patreon.com slash show and give us $1 per episode. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. We are also, as I said earlier, brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service that is dedicated to elevating great cinema from around the globe. From iconic directors to emerging auteurs, there's always something to discover. Uh, with Mubi, each and every film is hand-selected, so you can explore the best of cinema streaming anytime, anywhere. No creepy AI or algorithm or learning machine is going to be feeding you content. No, no. A live human being with good taste and impeccable choice-making skills is going to say what you should be watching on Mubi. Um, let's talk about some of the stuff that's on there, for instance. Um, Kansas City. If Nashville was Altman's ode to country music, then Kansas City is his great love ballad to Kansas City jazz. In loose swings and percussive blasts, this 1930s crime drama ripples... Wait a second. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. This 1930s crime drama ripples with intrigue while boasting a stellar ensemble cast of acting in music legends like the late, great Harry Belafonte. Um... There's another movie that's on here. Another movie that I feel like I was talking about not long ago and was like, man, I really got to see that. And what do you know? Just like Soller's point, movie comes through in the clutch. Uh, that is 71 by Anne Demange. Um, this is uh, the movie about Jack O'Connell trying to survive on the streets of an Irish city uh, in during the Troubles. And it was apparently awesome. And <laughs> given all of my proclivities, you would have think, that I would have seen this so much earlier, and yet I did not. Um, Demenge made his feature debut with this acclaimed look at the Troubles, rendering with near-apocalyptic atmosphere. Featuring a magnetic performance by Jack O'Connell, this gripping thriller is a technical feat of white-knuckle action that recreates the bomb-fueled horrors of conflict. These and so many more things you can check out. On Mubi. All you got to do is go to mubi.com slash filmstage and we will help you to get a free 30-day trial subscription to Mubi. Again, that is mubi.com slash filmstage. Check it out. And I think that is all for me for now. Um, I don't know. I don't know. There's a part of it that's like, oh, should we talk about the strike? But I don't think anyone gives a fuck what we have to say about the strike. Right? It'll come up. As we talk about this movie. Oh, interesting. Okay, that's fun. Can't wait for that. Um, is it gonna be? Is it gonna be? Oh man, I can't believe that for Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One, the writer strike actually started two years ago because clearly this movie didn't have a finished script. Is that uh, gonna come up? <laughs> no, not how I was thinking. Oh, but okay. you go off. <laughs> I shall. I shall go off, King. Anyway, like I said, we're here to talk about Mission Impossible <laughs> Dead Reckoning Part 1 in a, in a series filled with convoluted titles, perhaps the most convoluted of titles. And um, yeah, let's uh, let's just get into that. This movie is starring Tom Cruise, of course, and Ving Rhames, of course, and... It's got Haley Atwell, Rebecca Ferguson, Vanessa Kirby, Simon Pegg, Isai Morales, Pam Clementif, Henry Serzny, and my boy, Shea Wiggum. All of them brought to bear by uh, writer-director Christopher McQuarrie, uh, who co-wrote with Bruce Geller and Eric Jenderson. And uh, that's about it. That's all I gotta say. Here is part of the trailer. Our lives 
are the sum of our choices. And we cannot escape the past. Ethan, this mission of yours is gonna cost you dearly. All right, that is part of the trailer for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Let's talk about it. <laughs> what is why there's laughter already? Yeah, it's just it's a mouthful. Okay, it's so also mission colon, colon impossible. impossible. It's mission colon Hyphen. impossible <laughs> m dash dead reckoning part one, yeah. which is funny because it's not. I guess you can't have two colons, right? But it should be dead reckoning colon part one. This just makes it seem Why like... Why can't you have two colons? I, I don't know. It's a, it's a they, title. The Because they charge t- movie titles by the punctuation? I don't know. <laughs> like, Mission well, this is an expensive one. Impossible M-Dash Dead Reckoning Part 1. It's just... It strikes me as incredibly weird that it's Dead Reckoning Part 1 as a single clause without any kind... Anyway, it doesn't matter. We're here to talk about it. Um, we begin uh, with our nutshell thoughts, our broad overview, spoiler free, and we of course start with our guest. So, Courtney Howard, what is your general reaction to Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One? Uh, I'm probably going to be the only one who says this, but I loved it. I saw it twice. I'm going to go back again, see it eventually, probably another two or three more times in theater if I can, if I can work that. Um, I really loved it. Uh, I think that it does. <clears throat> the worst thing I'd say about it is it does very much feel like a part one. Um, and the story could have probably been told all in one movie versus cutting it out to two movies. But then we'd be depriving ourselves of like two movies where Tom Cruise does like death defying stunts. So like let him cook. Um, so I really like this movie. I think it's great. Uh, I think it's interesting. It sort of functions as an amalgam of everything that came before it. it. takes a lot of influence from the very first Mission Impossible. You can see sort of these little threads and stuff from stuff from the show, from, you know, the other films, too, of where they sort of pull inspiration from uh, to sort of bolster this theme of, Ethan sort of dealing with his past and uh, you know, his, the ghosts from his past and stuff. And it does sort of retread a little over fallout, which is still my favorite of all of the uh, mission impossible films. I think that one is so just impeccably done Um, and sort of how that was supposed to be sort of the final one. And then they came, they were like, surprise, we have two more. This sort of restarts the whole thing over again. So I think people who aren't liking it, maybe sort of, it's a little jarring to sort of restart the whole thing again and sort of go over the same things that Fallout did. But I still really liked it. I'll take all the like exposition that they do. I'll take people talking in a room to each other really intensely um, I saw somebody had tweeted like Henry and Isai Morales sort of like start to sound like ASMR at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I will, I will absolutely take that. I will, yes, please, more of that. Um, so I, I really liked it. I enjoyed my time. I liked all the action. I think Chris McQuarrie is great at composing 
and sort of, you know, constructing all of the action sequences. So I had a great time. Uh, it did not feel like two hours and 45 minutes to me. And it felt even snappier the second time around when I went to go back and see it again. Um, so I, I enjoyed it. What everybody else think? All right. Let's find out. Bill Graham, thoughts on Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, part one. So I actually think Fallout, the previous film, is one of the lowest points in the Mission Impossible franchise. Um, I think his previous film before that, uh, Rogue Nation, is actually like fantastic. I think that's the one of the high watermarks of the franchise. I think everything's just cooking in that film. That also is the introduction of Ilsa. Um, it's got a lot of things going for it in that film. Um, in terms of Dead Reckoning, I think this film is overstuffed. I think it is too much movie. It feels unwieldy, especially towards the end. Um, there's another like 45 minute, like, you know, uh, train sequence where you're like, oh, shit, we, even ha we haven't even seen the stunt that everybody's seen online. Like, oh, my God, what is going on here? Um, it, it is fun. It is enjoyable. I think it is just too overstuffed. I think it's history. This franchise's history of what it does to its female uh, characters is still kind of uh, hangs around in this film as well. Um, and I think the highlight of this film is unfortunately very early in the film and it is uh surrounding a little yellow fiat and uh <laughs> it is it is yeah. maybe a 10 minute sequence that is better than just about anything that i've seen this year like you couldn't supercut things together and make a better 10 minute sequence than that 10 minute sequence for me. Um, so I think it's definitely a high watermark. Um, you know, you couldn't stuff all the fast and the furious movies together and make a, a cut together. That would be better than that 10 minutes. And that tells me everything I need to know uh, about the fact that this film still has something in its in its tank is still got something in uh for the franchise you know kind of holding on but i do think that this one gets a little bit out of hand um the new characters particularly palm clementif i hope i said that right um yeah, Clementine. Uh, she is absolutely fantastic. I wish she was in more of this movie. I would have taken 25 extra minutes of her just pursuing them. Um, that is great. I think Isai, he just doesn't have a lot to do here, and it's unfortunate. I hope he has much more to do in the next film. Um, but yeah, overall, I enjoyed this quite a bit, but I... I it's almost a return to form if they had cut maybe 20, 25 minutes out of this. I think I think if that happens, this is a much tighter film. It's not as unwieldy. But to be honest, like it's got like four female protagonists in this. And it's just like, okay, well, I mean, I guess, I guess we needed three hours to fit all of them in here. So um yeah. It's it's good. It's probably right near the middle, but it's it's a good rebound for me 
from Fallout. All right. Robin Barr. Um, yeah, I like this movie. Um, so as has been established, I have not seen many classic I don't think act- I don't I don't think it's been a set. Oh, okay. You you were about to say many. I thought you were going to. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, as it's been established in previous episodes, I have not seen many classic action franchises. Um, and I do take some joy in, you know, sort of dipping my toe in to <laughs> these franchises later in their lives. Oh, th- this is dipping a leg in at nearly three hours, but yeah. Uh, perhaps, perhaps. I, mean, I would say so it's this a show, my... but for three hours. <laughs> like... <laughs> so, for example, uh, I had seen the first Indiana Jones, but that was the only one until I saw Dial of Destiny. Um, I've only seen one Fast and Furious, and that was the one from 2021. Um, I oh, bless you. Yeah, Kinahara. <laughs> I've only seen two James Bonds. One of them was the one with Halle Berry. I believe that was Die Another Day. Probably. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and then the most recent one, which I watched for this pod. And then, of course, this is my first Mission Impossible. And I, yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, we'll talk about the fiat sequence, but that was really fun. I I was very interested in how this franchise compares to James Bond. And I, since I have very little data to go on, I'm curious if you can confirm for me uh, okay. what my initial sort of uh, assumptions are. One, they definitely seem dumber and funner and funnier yeah. than James Bond. Um, say yes to that. <laughs> they're much more, they're much less interested in sex uh, yes, absolutely. That's how I that's what no I'm human being away. has ever been more interested in sex than James Bond. <laughs> and no <laughs> person less interested in sex than Tom Cruise. Um, I did notice that Haley Atwell, for example, who I, I've always loved, uh, her outfits are like mostly suits in this movie. It was really incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, nothing slinky, nothing even too overly form fitting or, or wink, wink. I mean, they're very tweed, um, which, which I thought was fun. And yes, there is a, some kind of connection between her and Ethan. Is that her name? That is yeah. in fact Ethan Hunt. Okay. <laughs> uh, like there is a, there was something there, but it was like really hard to tell whether it was romantic or just like mentor mentee um, because there was absolutely no sexual chemistry whatsoever. So my takeaway is it's it's way less interested in in romance and sort of you know schlongs or whatever. And then what I What'd also you say? thought that schlongs. <laughs> well, like James Bond is all about like schlongs, you know Schlong? <laughs> schlongs. I know. I thought you said schlongs. Yeah, I heard flongs. I heard flongs the first time, and I thought flongs. Like, I thought you were doing <laughs> a portmanteau of flings with thongs, and I was like, "All right, sure, yeah." <laughs> I, no, I don't think. I mean, whatever. I don't think they're that. Jamie played. I don't think they're that sexual. Um, and uh, I don't. Maybe I'm wrong here, but it feels like there's less gunplay in this than James Bond. I would say yeah. yes to that. The, these movies yeah. have a very interesting sort of history with gunplay and like how Mm. guns are used in them 
Okay. Okay. I like that it was less locale hopping um, because sometimes it feels like a bit overkill with the James Bond movies. Like, Oh you know, yeah, I mean that was a cool huge problem school. with the uh, the Indiana Jones movie we just saw too. I it was just like, oh totally my agree. fucking god, yeah. Like this was locale hopping, but in a much more accessible way. Where I was like, okay, they're in Venice for a while. Like this is working for me, as opposed to just hopping off to like Laos for whatever reason. Um, yeah, and Rome and, and Venice then, are like still Italy, you know, like exactly. Yeah, it was like okay, like there's a thread of narrative. It's going like on. you went from Baltimore to DC. Like it's not really, yeah. Yeah, not but really it's like, a new location. Okay. Every Italian it. <laughs> is so mad at me right now. Yeah, you're you're canceled um, for the about one millionth time. And then finally, and I think this is probably the most important thing. And tell me if I'm wrong to any of this, but James Bond is very imperial, very pro gov, and this seemed very anti gov. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's fallen out. Yeah, mean, he's so, fallen out ever yeah. since Rogue or uh, what is it? Ghost Literally Protocol. since the seventh scene of the first movie, mm. <laughs> he's had a every. They even make fun of it in this movie because it's like you know yes. he's, he's gone rogue. It's like does he do that a lot? It's like yeah, pretty he does much it in every movie. Yeah, they poke fun at it because he does it in every movie. He always goes rogue. There's always, always a mole. He's always getting burned. <laughs> So, I don't know. Um, okay, yeah, so you were right. So, so it sounds like my takeaways are salient to some degree for somebody who's not seen a, a not a lot of these movies. That is correct. I would, you know, okay. so when I was a child, right, GoldenEye and Mission Impossible were contemporary with one another in terms of not <laughs> only the movies, but the Nintendo 64 console games. Mm. And the thing is... There was a Mission Impossible game? Oh, Bill. Yes, there was. And so as a child who loved the GoldenEye game and who liked the GoldenEye movie and then who saw the Mission Impossible movie and was like, I don't think I understood anything about that. But I saw there was a video (laughs) game. I was like, well, clearly I have to get this video game. And if you try to run through the Mission Impossible video game with a gun, you lose instantly because they give you like six bullets and you're not supposed Mm. to use them. And so when I think of the difference between the two movies, I think the differences between the two video games because they truly are completely different. Like the Mission Impossible video game was trying to do some like really interesting like in-world puzzle work like, oh, you got to like get this guy and like poison him and then like make his face into a mask and then put that mask on and then you got to go before your mask falls. Like, And meanwhile, I was just like, I don't know. I have a gun and a mind. Can't I just shoot my way through this? And it was like, well, you could try, but... Everyone else has a better gun with more bullets. So no. <laughs> so you gotta use your brain. I mean, yeah. that was that was what was a little more, I don't know, accessible to me about these movies. Like it was again less schlong, more fun more for everyone. Yeah. More funny bone, less boning. Yeah. <laughs> there you Let's go. Let's put it that way. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I basically agreed with what everybody was saying about the cast. Um Loved Haley Atwell. I agree that Isai Morales could have had more to do. Uh, I really enjoyed Vanessa Kirby and what, you know, she gives good crazy eyes. Um, and that really worked <laughs> for me. Really good um, eyes, correct. You know, I like Rebecca Ferguson, but she didn't obviously have a whole lot to do in this movie. Um, yeah. But she's always a welcome addition to whatever she's in. I also thought she was a Bond girl, but maybe I'm wrong. I believe you are wrong. Okay. Not a bond. Yeah. 
No, yeah, okay. not a Bond girl. The the French woman was a Bond girl, right? The uh, oh God, what's her name? Tom. No, no, the the French. No, not the not the girl in this movie who's literally named Paris. I'm talking about the actress. Yeah, that was a little on the nose. The actress. Uh, the the oh, what's her name? Someone Jordan Raup right now is furious that I can't remember this woman. Leah Sado. That's the one. Yeah. Oh and yeah she, yeah. Okay. So she was a Bond girl in like two movies, I think, and she also was a like assassin or money launderer in Ghost mm-hmm. Protocol. Yep. So that yeah. might be what uh, you're thinking of. Okay. So well. No, because I don't know anything about the other films. Like, yeah. I, I should probably see the first movie at some point. I have, I have the first Mission Impossible. Too. Yeah, just, oh, yeah, just, it's know, great. It's, it's fucking Brian De Palma. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. And I like Tom, you know, you catch up on the whole series. Let's be honest. Good, yeah. good and bad. You should catch up on the whole series. Right. I think they're all worthwhile. I think terrible, except maybe Fallout. And this okay. one, honestly, I don't know. Like, I didn't really like this one that much. All right, here it goes. Come on, give it to us. Yeah, I just <laughs> this movie's a, a fucking mess. This movie, like, I don't know what the hell they were thinking. Like, scene to scene, this movie is just, like, impossibly incompetent. Like, it's crazy. We, like, the, we spend the entire movie for these people to just, like, figure out what we know in the first five minutes. And it takes them, like... Mm-hmm. $300 million worth of action scenes and no <laughs> acting whatsoever from most people to get there. I don't know who most of the people are. Like, like, you mean I, character like wise? yeah, like it's nuts. Like who the hell was everyone in that room at the NSA or whatever? Like, I have no idea who Carrie Ewells is playing. Um, They like revamp and retcon what IMF is. Like the International Monetary Fund. <laughs> um, yeah, no, like in the first movie, in and I would say most of the movies, it's like a fairly well-known, <laughs> like part of the government. Like it's clearly some sort of shadow in-between organization of like the FBI, CIA, and NSA, and probably like DIA or whatever. But, like, in this movie, I, again, I don't know. Maybe it's not weird that Carrie Yules doesn't know who they are because I don't know who he is. Carrie Yules? He's the he's uh, Wesley Elways. from The Princess Bride? Carrie oh, no. Elways? Oh, Elways? Yeah. All right, cool. Elways. I didn't know how to say that. Director of National Intelligence. He it's, says that like five times. Oh, I in, in, I did. I missed that. He, how is he the director of National Intelligence? He doesn't know what IMF is. Because they've kept it so secret this That's whole time. That's so stupid. Like, who is he- so? Who is Henry Cerny? Like, what's his job? He's like he's like the guy who leaves the word for them. <laughs> <laughs> he's the secretary. He's, it, he is. I, I don't think he is the secretary though. The secretary is supposed to be. Oh, oh, what's her name? He's she the middleman. She was in the movie. Here's the problem. I have lost. Any concept of what IMF is and how it slots into the government, which isn't like that much of a problem. It's always a little. Yeah, I don't know why. But in this movie, he's like, like, I don't know. We leave a letter in a mailbox and maybe they do it. Like that's well, I mean, so yeah. stupid. Like it's so dumb. And that's, and again, it's Eli hilarious. Morales, the whole movie is like, oh, we're trying to stop a sentient AI from 
doing what? Like, I just don't have a... Like, like I, I've seen the trailer for the creator now, so clearly AIs can be bad. Um, but I'm just, I'm just confused through the whole movie about, like, what's going on. And then they give Ethan this weird backstory where they're like, oh, yeah, Gabriel, played by Isai Morales, like made me who I am. And I'm like, literally never heard of him before. You say it happened 30 years ago. That's like sort of almost around the time of the first movie, but it's somehow not anything from the first movie. Now, instead of these people being like, I don't even know who the fuck they're supposed to be. Now it's like, oh, if you're a criminal and you get in too much trouble, we give you the option to like become part of this stateless government, non-governmental organization. It's, it's so dumb. It's so dumb. They're looking for this like cross key and uh, it's just, I don't know. Like I just had a real bummer of a time with this movie and like, sure, like the, the, the car chase with the, the Fiat or whatever, it was really fun. That was fine. But like, who is Haley Atwell playing? Like, I don't, I just can't. <laughs> I just don't know why I'm supposed to care about most of these people. I don't know what Gabriel's purpose is. Like, is he being blackmailed by this computer program? Or does he just think it's, like, a good thing? He uh, he, like, he loves he loves torturing people. He loves twisting the knife. I guess. I don't know. It doesn't matter. What do you mean you guess? That's, that's, that's literally say, like... But I don't feel yeah. that from him. Like, that's the problem, is that I feel like none of these people realized who they were playing. I feel like they got together, shot all the action scenes, and then, like, sort of made up the connective tissue during reshoots, and, like, everyone was suddenly like, that's who I was supposed to be playing? Okay. Well, you're My not, bad. like... And Pom Clemente only gets away with it because she's basically wordless. And she was just like, I'm going to play this as a person who just loves to mess stuff up. And weirdly <laughs> enough, that makes her the most compelling, interesting character in this movie. Wait, so yeah, anyway, uh, I, um, I, I disagree with most of you. <laughs> Who's the most compelling character? Uh, Paris. Oh, the fucking person who doesn't talk and is a total cliche. Wait, were you just literally not listening to a single thing that I said? <laughs> I All think, right, I'm going to take your silence as a yes. You were not listening to what I said. I, I think one of the things that's interesting, Brian, is that if, if any of y'all have listened to the Empire podcast where <laughs> McCory basically, like puts puts everything on the table. He's got two of these with the Empire podcast people where he did like for Fallout, he did a like a three-hour interview. And for um Rogue Nation, he did another three-hour interview. Like it's it's ridiculous. And in those, he basically talks about very openly, yeah, they shot around the action sequences. They were like, okay, here's an action sequence. Okay, we're going to write to that action sequence. Okay, okay, okay. So the fact that you're kind of keying in on that with you know your reaction saying Jesus to the fact that those are three-hour podcasts tells me enough that you didn't hear about these podcasts. <laughs> So you probably don't know this. So yeah, the fact that you're like keying in on the idea that, yeah, they kind of wrote towards these action sequences. Yeah. Yeah. I think this film kind of strains against that 
noticeably in a way, but it's also like, that's not why I'm not coming besides the Brian De Palma film. I'm not coming to these for the plot or the intrigue or the machinations or characterization. I'm coming to see Tom <laughs> Cruise jump off a fucking cliff on a motorcycle. But I've already like, that's why that I'm like here. 700 times like before every video I've been trying to watch on the internet. Like, I guess like <laughs> my issue is that's not enough for me. Like I, for three hours, that's definitely not enough for two hours. Sure. Maybe sure. I can make that work, sure. but for three like motherfucking hours, I'm sitting here and I'm just like, please let me care about one of these characters. The, I can't, and I can't even. Well, we'll we'll get into it. We'll we'll get to spoilers at some point, probably very soon. Um, Everything Brian is saying is exactly how I felt about Dial of Destiny. Oh, like, okay. I mean, well, see, the the funny thing is, I basically said torture. all these same things about Dial of Destiny. So it's been it's a real rough dial. three it's weeks. True for, for Dial, me. for yeah. sure. But then I saw Mission Impossible after, and I was like. This does everything that Dial's trying, like stuff Dial's trying to do, but does it better. This so much better. I I agree with you. Reaction than you for this, but yeah, this movie is definitely better than Dial of Destiny. I will give it that. (laughs) Very low bar to clear, but I think my issue is I like I don't know maybe like Asteroid City, which I fucking loved. I'm just like coming off of that, and I'm like movies can be great, and then I see this, and I'm like they can also just be like middlingly incompetent but with generally sort of fun scenes every now and then i don't know um yeah it's a it's a bummer because i like this series my thing is i haven't loved any of the macquarie ones you didn't like rogue nation rogue nation was like fine but it's like oh man fourth best Oh geez! Like am I, I actually did my because everyone was doing it, so I went on Letterboxd and I was like, "Let me make my little thing." And I think I said the first one was the best one. Go Ghost Protocol was the second best one. The third best one was number two, and then I think I went Rogue oh, Nation, hi. Rogue Nation, Mission Impossible Three, this, and then Fallout. Okay. So like I did like. I think no, I think I liked three more than I liked any of the the Macquarie ones. But here's the, the other problem is that I think that like generally I just have no fucking clue what's going on in this series. Like there's a point in this movie and that's where, fine where, for where me. Ilsa Faust like cuddles up to Ethan and I'm like, are they romantic? I literally could not remember oh, if Brian. they ever if they ever like satisfied like the slight tension between them. And she, but she like the way she curls up to him and maybe it's just cause like, he's probably got like 25 to 30 years on her. Yeah. It was felt almost like, like, ah, you know, uncle Tom, what's up? Like, how's it going? <laughs> I saw and it just, it was again, one of those moments where I was like, the writing and characterization is so terrible that I feel like she's not even sure how she's supposed to play this moment. Like, does she even remember if they ever banged out in one of these movies? Did I don't think it's ever explicit. See Haley Atwell and say, well, I'm definitely not going to stick around in this film for that long. <sighs> I don't know. Does anyone remember Ilsa? I mean, clearly Robin doesn't because they have not. They had chemistry in Rogue Nation. Yes, they did, they did not sleep together. Okay. Um, they have not banged. Um, 
but Damn. I think they wind up more respecting each other because uh, and sort of being more sort of distant friendly because she's so much like him in terms yes. of her values and her sort of virtues and she respects him in that way. Like, it's not a, I respect you too much to sleep with you kind of thing. It's just, <laughs> they haven't, they just haven't like, they just haven't fucked. So. The um, virgin and the whore. I think they've just sort of gone through these three movies sort of just respectfully, like, this is my colleague sort of thing, or I'm going to help you, you help me sort of a thing. And then it sort of culminates into this and, I guess we get it into spoilers, but yeah, I th- well, I so think let's, cu- let's just do cu- it. Let's just dive into spoilers. Like we're in the spoiler section now. I don't know. Was there anything else? Oh, Shay Wiggum's in this movie. I have no idea who he is or who he's working for. He's in it again. He's, he's a carryover from the last one. Is he? Wow. I have yeah. literally no memory of that. This is my problem. The, the Macquarie movies are so basically the same that they are like are smudging together in my brain. Like, I, I literally couldn't remember which one I liked between Fallout and Rogue Nation. I was like, which one has the opera scene? I Googled yeah. I Googled Mission Impossible opera scene. And um, I found out that it was uh, Rogue Nation. So that's how I made up my mind. Because that scene alone makes it better than... Yep, that's a great sequence. Yeah. Um, I and I don't, Hang on a second. I don't think Che Wiggum is a carryover. Just to wow. correct you. <laughs> He's really not... Is he not? No, he's new. What? I'm he's not a carryover. He was not a, like I'm looking at his resume right now just to like double check because I feel like I'm gaslighting myself. But he's not a carryover. He's he's new. Yeah, but oh, you yeah. know what it is? It's fucking Fast and the Furious Nine. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. Maybe he's just typecast because Wiggum's no, always no. playing a cop. It, well, I mean, that's that's what it is. He has but, played top a lot, so I will give you yeah. that. But yeah, he's he's in Fast and Furious 9, that and so that. that's, 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 wow. And basically is playing, like, the same character. They <laughs> 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 were just like, you just want to play him again? And he's like, sure. What's All crazy right. is that I didn't even try to fight you on that, because I was just like, I know. he's so confident, and I just don't remember the movie so much that he must be right. And also, yeah, it would bad. explain why he comes into this movie, and they're like, you know, um, it seems like you have a personal thing with this guy, and he was like, uh, sort of, or like, it was like, it's not personal, but I'm taking it personally, or whatever, and I was just like, sure, yeah, maybe he's been in another one of these movies. Yeah, they I thought don't, they would explain I, it, and they never do, and I was just like, I'm, you know, I don't know. No, he's just I'm, pursuing, I'm, he's just pursuing Ethan. He's just like that's not he's pursuing. But is he like, a part of IMF or is he like a Delta No, he's something. Ranger? He's not a part of IMF. He's a part he, I think he's a CIA agent, isn't but he? But he knows who Kittredge is. He's part of something called he's an enforcer for the quote-unquote community tasked with hunting Ethan. Whatever the fuck that is, because they never... Can you send me a link to whatever Wikipedia you're on? This is Wikipedia. Which is always true. Well, it's got a a little thing. The movie's giving us nothing. (laughs) Yeah, he's... It's uh, from a digital spy article. It's directly from Shea. Or Shay? I don't Shea. know how to say that. Shea. Okay. We're all 
just fucking up names today. Who's all of us, man? Uh, definitely at least me and Bill. You'll have your yeah, time. I'm not even come. sure about Clemty for whatever. It's it looks like it's Clemente. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, uh, so yeah, he's he's part of some other unrelated uh no he's part squad. of the community. I don't know. It's just like yeah. it, it doesn't matter. He doesn't really do much in this it movie. It doesn't matter because even I, who has absolutely no experience with this franchise, could figure out what his role is. Which mm-hmm. is like he's hunting down rando government dude trying to get ethan back in line it doesn't take a you know an einstein brain to figure that out but i just i just don't like i i understand maybe i am einstein smart i don't know you might be might be you're very clever i'll find out at oppenheimer in two weeks Ooh, um (laughs) i'm seeing that in like 48 hours can't wait um oh fuck you why (laughs) Because I'm jealous because I'm going to this conference and then I'm not seeing any movies. Well, for that's like what movies. you get for going to conferences. <sighs> Sorry, I'm just who goes so to, to a share. conference. All right. are, are we getting into spoilers? Uh, yeah, we're, we're in. Spo- we're in the spoiler section. Yeah, I just needed to like bring up that Shea Wiggum's in this and like I don't even have a good thing to say about him. OK, right. um, so one thing that I find interesting, there's a couple of things. Uh Age is always something that I'm tracking as we move through these. Uh, Isai Morales is 60 fucking years old. He I, looks if, if I look that good five. when I'm 40, yeah. I would be thrilled. <laughs> he is 60. That is incredible. So foxy in this movie. He is the hottest man on earth. <laughs> um, a couple of other things. They actually traded Rebecca Ferguson, who is 39, for a older Haley Atwell, who is 41. I don't think, oh, well, that's I, two years, so it's not that. But like, I don't think I would have guessed I'll, that. I think I would have assumed that Haley Atwell was younger. I would have too. Hmm. Um, so that's interesting. I also and, would have thought that as and Palm is actually much older than she looks. Oh, she is a French actress, um, but she's 37. So wow. I found that interesting. 37? Oh, so. Palm, Palm is only one year older than me? Yeah. Damn. I have lived in- I'm, I'm not, not saying good. 37 is old. I Just no, to be clear, I am not saying- joke. I, I, I'm sorry. I don't believe I heard the joke. What was it? I yelled 37. Okay. Yeah, I didn't get that joke. That's how many. Do I have to explain clerks to everybody? The joke's always funnier when you have to explain it. I Uh, I think I was clerks that they're talking about this girl that one of the guys had slept with, and she she slept with thirty seven guys, and the Randall was thirty seven. Like it's a huge, it's a it's a thing. I've only seen seen that movie once, and it was only a few years ago. Wow, you guys. Uh, that I you know that was like like a couple years before it was yeah. really impactful for me. Yeah. I love dogma. I love dogma but only as it applies <laughs> I don't know any to dogma like really jokes. religious rigid religious doctrine. Yeah, of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, sorry Courtney. Sorry, I believe you. Can you edit that uh, all out? <laughs> no, yeah, can you edit? Can you edit out the part where I legitimately 
did zone out because my friend texted me about how her boyfriend's grandma died. And oh, then no. you were like, were you not listening to me? And then I was like, uh, technically no. <laughs> no, I'm going to leave that in. And I'm going to leave in the fact that your friend's boyfriend's grandfather died. What did I, what was it? Grandma. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. And you know what's sad is he's really sad, but he's also a funeral director by trade. So he's just in funeral director mode right now. Is he directing that funeral or is he going to be like I off to know. the side being like, I would have gotten better flowers? Knowing him, he absolutely would be that person. So I don't know. I have a legitimate question. Are you going to want me to remove this or can I leave this all in? Um, (laughs) Depends. I don't know. Let's see what Jordan says. All right. I'm just going to make a little note in my book to remove this. There we go. The last five minutes are gone. No, it doesn't have to be five minutes. Anyway, so anyway, speaking of funeral stuff, Ilsa Faust goes out like a punk. Yeah. I don't understand the her trajectory as a character because okay, if they did you not have this great the romance. No, but movies. that's what I'm saying. So but what you're telling me is that they didn't have this great romance. So what was the point of so they made her I think they did. I, I think for the mission impossible. Yeah. Yeah, as this as these movies. So as Tom his Cruise, asexuality will allow. Yeah, because so like in the first movie, he's got like sort of a thing with a person. I'm just gonna. I'm also spoilers for literally every Mission Impossible movie. In the first, yeah, movie, that's fair. He he like gets with a woman, but it turns out that she's helping her supposedly dead husband to like get a bunch of money because he was the mole. So like, there is some sex in that movie. In the second movie, he and uh, Tandy, Tandy Newton, right? Yep. Yep. Um, yep. They Tandaway. are like, they are. It's Tandaway Newton. Is it? She's, is this like a Mandela effect her thing? name. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. I don't think I knew that. Um, Tandaway? It's recent. Mm-hmm. Cool. So Tandaway Newton and him. Okay. Um, Someone check that for me. <laughs> I can't, I can't mispronounce I mean, I'm, 40% yeah. of every name I've mentioned. <laughs> So Tanway Noon and him are like are like supposed to be so fucking hot it for is one Tandaway. another that it like destroys the mission basically. Like he's willing to like just like ruin everything. He's like basically like ruin my life Tandaway is what he's saying through that whole movie. In the third movie, it's opens and he has retired and is now married to uh, a random brown-haired woman <laughs> whose name I can't remember. Michelle Monaghan. Yes. Who Michelle comes Monaghan. back in Fallout. She is back in Fallout, um, which is cool that we got that. She's also back at the end of Ghost Protocol. Because in Ghost Protocol, it opens and it's like, oh, yeah, yes. Ethan's back in the business because, like, yes. his wife yes. died. And then it was like, oh, no, she didn't die. She's still around. But, yes. like, you know, she's just not with him anymore. Um, like, you know, and she has to believe that he's dead, which is why when she he runs into her at the end of Fallout. But in Rogue Nation, he meets Ilsa Faust and he's just like, Oh wow, you know, she's got moves and she's like this man also has moves and I am intricately tied into whatever the plot of that movie was. I have literally no idea what any of the plots of any of the Christopher McQuarrie movies were. I could probably walk you through beat for beat for the first 3 4 movies and the last 3 I have no concept of what any of their plots were. But so they have a professional 
admiration. And then she shows up in uh, Fallout to say like 17, like, you know, we're not on the same side anymore. Cliches like, don't make me go through you. Um, but they've still got like their little edge. You know, they still like appreciate one another's skills. And then she shows up in this movie and he's like, pretend you're dead. And she's like, okay. And then it's like 15 minutes later. She's like, ah, I couldn't do that. Not my style. And then they cuddle like their sides together on a balcony overlooking a palazzo. And then she gets knifed by Isai Morales <laughs> and she's dead because these movies swap out brown haired women like, uh, like they're, uh, like the breadsticks on a table in an Italian restaurant. I don't know. Like, it's yeah, crazy. and they even call it out in the film. Like, Isai Morales' Gabriel, like, tells uh, Haley Atwell's character, like, all these women just keep dying by the wayside of of Ethan Hunt. That's not even and, true, though. Well, the, he loses, there's like, a lot of women. All of all of the so like a couple of the women in the first movie die. Tendaway Newton gets out scot free. Um, his ex wife is fine. She marries Wes Bentley. That's a pretty good way to go out. Um, and, and I wouldn't uh, say she's fine. She's <laughs> like doing her into deep deep undercover. No, she's like got a husband and she's doing like charity work in Nepal or wherever the fuck she was. And what was the other thing that happened? Uh, there was a uh, Paula Patton in Ghost Protocol just never shows up, and Maggie Q is presumably also still alive, but is no longer in these movies. Like they're making it sound like all these women in his life are dead, but the truth is most of them just stopped showing up at some point. The real Ghost Protocol is Ethan Hunt getting ghosted by all these women. Well, yeah, that's that's more that's more production than anything. So I don't know. Does that what? was there a question? Well, why did I go through all of that? Someone said something. I have no idea. Okay, cool. Women. Anyway, Ilsa Faust is dead now. I'm I'm sure no one's happy about it. Yeah, I'm I'm I don't understand why they brought her back just to kill her in this film. I think I think she was better left off of this film or it, like her impact, her death has such little impact. And that's coming from someone that like, I really liked her character. I really like these films. And I I was just like, what are we doing here? Why? Why are we bringing her back only to kill her in this unceremonious way? And like, I don't know. It, it just, it felt, I was listening to podcasts and someone said that when she cuddles Tom Cruise's shoulder, they literally were like internally like, no, that means she's <laughs> going to die. Like, why, why are you doing this? They finally so, breached I, the physical barrier. <laughs> yeah. Now she's I'm, done for. I'm, I'm just, I, I, I just find it sad how many women protagonists that they build up and then like the next movie they're like who's this new woman and it's like why why are we doing this we still have ving rames we still have simon Pegg. we had alec baldwin for a couple of films like we did have alec but did he die in the last one 
Yes, he did. Oh, and he did? like okay. I was wondering just, where he was when I was watching this one. Yeah. So just like give me give me one of these women and just let her stick around. What I don't to I don't Bassett? Uh, I think she might have died too. Her picture was in this movie, right? I don't know. In that like uh, very nondescript room where all the typewriter people were. Was that Maybe. her picture up on the wall? I was wondering who that was. I'm who that was supposed to be? I think it was. It might have been. It was it a former been. director, sort of most like, likely. It was obscured. Uh, yeah. Even in IMAX, I couldn't tell who it was supposed <laughs> to be. I'm almost positive it was her. But you don't keep up a dead director's picture, right? Like most, like I've worked in government offices. Usually, it's the present person. They're not like. Uh, she's more not, of a you know. villain in Fallout. So but she's like, a yeah. villain, but she's only a villain because she's the bureaucrat who like won't be won over by Ethan's cool moves, you know. Yeah, but she sicks like Henry Cavill on him. Yeah, because Ethan he was a keeps clear going rogue. <laughs> he would just stop going rogue. He wouldn't need. A, a bastard Henry Cavill to reload his arms before punching him. Um, <laughs> I, she is one of my favorite lines in any of these movies because, like, every time they get one of these assignments, it's like, yeah, if any of you are captured or killed, like, we're going to pretend we don't know who you are. So it's like, clearly we know that, and it's they're called Mission Impossible. And, like, he's like, I will not let anyone die. And it's like, at that point, you should retire him because a willingness to let people die feels like it should be essential to this job. And... Alec Baldwin even says, like, Ethan Hunt won't let any of his people be like, you know, blah, blah, blah. he doesn't want them to die. And she's like, yeah, that's the job. Like, literally, that's the whole purpose of this force that takes care of impossible missions. And if your boy can't handle that, he shouldn't be on the lines anymore. So Angela Bassett is the director of the CIA replacing Hunley. Who? Hunley. Hunley. Uh, Alec Baldwin's character, right? Mm-hmm. Wait, so, but why was he still in the movie then? What? She replaced Hunley? Yeah. And so he was just hanging out, like, talking to his new, the person who was taking over his job? He's the new IMF secretary. Oh. Is he dead? Is he still the secretary? Will no, he's he have dead. to disavow uh, the people who, oh, so he died. Oh, that's right. We established he died. Jesus Christ. Dude, I can't. I literally can't remember. I know so much about every other one of these movies, but Christopher McQuarrie in his writing and directing, I can only remember the set pieces. I cannot remember a single other thing about any of these movies. And it's like, that's shocking to me because I have a weird brain for details. And these movies are not 37. <laughs> yes, that is true. I will I will mark that Robin said that and not me. <laughs> well, now we've got to keep in the 37 thing from earlier cuz otherwise that's not going to make any sense. I do remember I my my favorite part from Clerks. I was actually thinking of Clerks today cuz I was thinking of Jane Silent Bob for some reason. Um I I constantly say I wasn't even supposed to be here today. Yes. Um, but I say it mostly when I'm at the distillery, which is hilarious because like I own it and I'm there every day. But anyway, um, inkwellwhiskey.com. What was I going to say? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I just, it's weird. Like it's, it is, it is odd to me how much of these movies just evaporate the second I leave the theater. Like 
I didn't even get a chance. I didn't. I wanted to go back and listen to the podcast that we did on them because I remember like disliking Fallout. I also remember that like we lost the Fallout episode and I had to recreate it three seconds at a time for some reason, um, <laughs> which is a whole other thing. Um, but yeah, I was like, I can't even remember why I disliked Fallout. I was like, maybe I liked it. Like, you know, I see the gifts of Henry Cavill punching like bathroom walls. And there, that seems pretty yeah, cool. There are fun, like, fun sequences for sure. Yeah. And then it has that. One I remember guy why saying I the titular disliked line. it. He was like the fallout of all your good intentions. Yeah. Yeah. So fun. I'm curious what drew each of you to this franchise to begin with and not just because of oh the first movie was fun like i i'm curious because if you've stuck with something for this many movies there's got to be something that keeps having to come back i was drawn to the first movie like as a child when it first came Mm -hmm. out i um i loved tom cruise because of top gun and um yeah this was 1996 i was like nine years old that's crazy um yeah, I must have been like nine or ten years old when I saw this movie, and my parents must have just been like, whatever. Um, what year were you born again? 87? 87. How, how are you only one year older than I am, but you seem to always be two to three years older in these stories? I don't know. <laughs> when, what? when in the year were you born? Uh, October. Oh, see, I was born in May, so. Okay, so you really were just old. Yes. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I just figured out why you don't know the clerk sh- stuff. Because you're too young, that's why. That's what I said. I, I told know. you. Yeah, we were saying we're just like our generation is just a little too I, young for I, it, like I know by a couple clerks. of years. I know clerk. I know clerks. I've seen clerks. I enjoyed clerks, but it wasn't. I was not old enough for it to be that. Like, oh shit! Like, I get. I can like repeat every line of this movie. It's it's not. Oh God! It's not like the Boondock Saints, um, which yeah, I of probably course. could repeat every line of the Boondock Saints from memory. Um, not going to do it though. But yeah, so I I I just saw this movie like I saw like a trailer on TV or something, and I was like, it's Tom Cruise, whom I love, and it's like cool action stuff, and I like spies because I always thought Indiana Jones was like sort of spy like. Um, my parents would let me see some of the older James Bond movies. And so like, yeah, there was just a lot there that I, I thought looked awesome. And so I saw it. And again, as a 10 year old, I had literally no clue what was going on at any given moment, but there are aspects of that movie that have stuck with me. Like, uh, the, the, the aquarium exploding, uh, the whole scene with Kittredge in the restaurant, um, the, the stick gum that explodes, uh, the part where, uh, John Voight says they stamped it, didn't they? Those damn Gideons. Like, I didn't even know what that meant back then, but there was just something. Are you, about what's a damn not... Gideon? Hmm? What's a damn Gideon? Right. So there is a, there is a, a, a part of the plot of the movie revolves around, uh, the Bible and the fact that one of the, like the Bible that this guy finds was stamped by the Gideons. Like, you know, the Gideon Bibles they put in like hotel rooms. Oh, okay. So when do you love so movies? What the freaking Bible? And so it proves <laughs> that someone was somewhere when he said he was somewhere else or something. Um, but so anyway, so like I saw that, that was cool. And, you know, again, like I didn't understand it, but I've always like had it imprinted on me. And like, it was probably the first De Palma I ever saw. Maybe I saw Carrie first because my sister was very irresponsible and let me see it. Um, and then Mission Impossible 2 
was like massive, like huge. That was one of those movies that like me and all my friends were like, oh, let's do a group date to Mission Impossible 2. And so and like they really pumped up that movie coming out like MTV had the Limp Bizkit song, but they also had stuff about like Tom Cruise, like climbed this uh, mountain and like jumped between it. Metallica (laughs) had a song. Oh, yeah. Uh, I Disappear. Or I, yeah, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, they like that movie was all over the fucking place. Um, and then it, like it disappeared because even though I think that movie did well, people were like, we may have gone too far. This may have, gone, this may have been too extreme. And then the third one came out and like, you know, J.J. Abrams was a hit on television and that movie was fine enough. And Philip Seymour Hoffman was awesome in it. And then the next one came out and it was like. Brad Bird doing a, a live action movie for some reason. Everyone was like, whoa, what's happening? And it was awesome. And then I think at that point we were like, we're back in. And so, yeah, it's just been like, let's just watch all these movies all the time. I don't know. Uh, Courtney, what was your, what was your background with this? Uh, well, uh, I saw the first one when I was uh, in college, um, like probably freshman in college or something. And uh, I was in it because, like I was into it because Tom Cruise doing a spy movie with Brian De Palma. Hell yes. Um, yeah, I loved it. Awesome. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, a lot of people at the time did not. I remember a lot of people coming in when it came out on video cassette uh, in the days of video cassette children. Um, <laughs> that's what, that's what uh, I had to rewind cassettes. it. <laughs> uh, I remember a lot of people coming into the video store complaining about it and like, oh, this was so terrible. It was so confusing. I was like, it's not confusing at all. It's very easy to understand this. Uh, and then the second one in it, because, you know, John Woo, fucking huge. Uh, yes, please, to see him in a Tom Cruise movie. And the whole promotion behind it was big. I liked the first one. Uh, and so then we saw the second one and I was like, what the hell is this? Um, <laughs> I did not care for it. I still don't. Um, and then I was like, okay, well, maybe it's just one off. So the third one comes out. And was big with J.J. Abrams. And you're still like, okay, I'm still in this. So you just keep going from there on out. And, you know, I think I saw Ghost Protocol a lot later than everybody else. And I thought it was, you know, I like the Burj Khalifa scene. I think that scene's fantastic. Uh, And that still holds up. But I can't, you know, the rest of it isn't, it's not one of my favorite ones. But I would have to rewatch the whole thing again to be like, oh, yeah, it's fine. And then, uh, you know, like Brian said, you just go from there. You're already in it, in it for a penny and for a pound. So you just keep going. And then once Macquarie t- took over, I was like, hell yes, this guy's speaking my 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 language. So I don't get hung up on the whole, like, who is this person? What is he doing? What is his job? <laughs> what is, I, I don't give a shit. Just fucking do your job. Do your thing. Come and do a scene. Say some words put roadblocks in front of Ethan that he's going to have to surmount, have him go rogue, have him do some big action scenes and then a little bit of character development with him. And then we're, and then we're gold baby. So. Yep. That's it. That's how I sort of came to it, but it was really through the De Palma working Mm -hmm. with Tom Cruise thing. And then the movie also has a huge ensemble cast too. That was big. Like Chris and Scott Thomas was huge at the time too. Um, so I really liked her work. Um, 
there's a French actress in that one too. Eman- Emmanuel. God, I can't remember her name. Eva? No. 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 Um, something Bear, Isabel Bear. I don't know. I'll have to look it up later. But anyway, she was yeah. Emmanuel Biart. Yes. So she was sort of like an ingenue at the time, too. And so, like, it had a great cast. So it was like, sure. Yeah, yes, Jean Renault. Jean Voigt. Henry Cerny. Jean yes, Renault. Ving Rames. Mm-hmm. Vanessa Redgrave. Mm-hmm. Who's the other person I keep? Emilio. Emilio. Yeah, he, he dies in the first, like, five minutes. I remember watching that movie and not even knowing he was in it until he showed up. And it was like, oh. Actually. Tom Cruise's friend is here. <laughs> I just watched that movie. Uh, his death is pretty fucking gruesome. You see it is his brutal. face get stove in. I can't believe this is a PG-13 movie. <laughs> Brian De Palma went there. And it's and he's like awesome in that movie too. Like he's like they they do a really good job in that movie of setting up the dynamics of the team, making you like everybody, and then just brutally offing them until Ethan Ethan Hunt is the only one left. Yeah, I can't believe they killed Coach, man. What are the Mighty Ducks gonna do? Coach Pompey, sad. Wait, no, Bombay, uh, yeah. not Pompey. Bombay. <laughs> Bombay. <laughs> that's, that's the other <laughs> tragic place. I fixed place. it. <laughs> no, I, 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 loved, I loved Ghost Protocol. Uh, yeah, yeah. If, it, if, if, like, if Mission Impossible, the first one, weren't so formative, weren't De Palma, you know, doing his cool shadow Dutch angle De Palma thing, you know, I would think Ghost Protocol would easily be number one for me because, like, it's just um, it's great. Even though it doesn't use the uh, the mask as much as I always hoped it did, because the mask is one hundred percent my favorite thing that these movies do. I I, I can't remember when that was established. Because is it established in the first one? Oh my god, yeah! Like the opening, yeah. like the cold open of the oh, first that's movie right, that's right, Tom that's Cruise right. Take off his mask. Yeah. They're like it's this really awesome shot actually of uh, it's a uh, it's Emilio Estevez staring at a computer or a computer monitor where a video feed of Tom Cruise pretending to be someone else and trying to get information out of this guy. Well, one of the people has like you know a paralytic drug in them that makes them appear to be dead, and so and then like the second they get the information, they knock the guy out, and then Tom Cruise comes in and just pulls the mask off, and he's like, "Get this piece of trash out of here," and then it turns out that it was all fake. Baby. Question. Yes. It sounds like the mask thing is a trope in these films. Oh, so were 100%. you? Ex- okay. See, again, new to me. Were you expecting that that guy at the beginning of the film with the white hair and blue eyes was Ethan? Like, did you, did everybody know this except me? I assumed that it was Esai Morales. Actually, I did not okay. know that it would be Ethan. But he he walks in, and I'm like, if that's not a mask guy, if he's not mm-hmm. like an and he looks, I don't want to be mean to this actor. He looks incredibly evil. So I just was <laughs> no, like. No, that's just good acting. He just has this face of like sheer menace. And I was just and like. he doesn't say a word. No, he doesn't he say a word. He definitely looks suspicious. Thing. He's definitely sus. He walks into that room yeah. and I'm shocked that literally every single person wasn't like, who are you, buddy? And then they're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, that's, uh, that's uh, Kittredge's adjutant. Which is like interesting <laughs> that he has an adjutant. Um, I thought only Russian military people and War and Peace had those. 
But anyway, so yeah, um, I knew that that was a mask guy. It was like 100% had to be. But uh, I, did, I was not expecting it to be Ethan Hunt. But yeah, the masks are incredible. Like, one of the reasons I like Mission Possible 2 so much is that the masks really play into it. And you get to the point where you're like, you can't trust anybody because these fucking masks are everywhere. Um, Ghost Protocol makes a point of, like, their mask machine breaking and so they can't use the mask. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, fine. Is it- but I do love the masks. I, I really like the masks. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think this one's a lot of fun, but uh, again, I think it I think it overstays its welcome a little bit. Um, I think I think itchy. it is. Yeah, yeah, I think it's I think it's well, especially it's funny end, because like nowhere, like fucking goddamn nowhere. <laughs> like the movie ends with them finally knowing everything that we've known since literally the first scene. Yeah. It's like so annoying. Like, what have we been doing? It's <laughs> We've so been annoying. watching Tom Cruise do stunts. What are you asking? I don't uh, understand what the complaint is here. Um, so but bad. yeah, I think I think what's interesting is that this film is you know three hours forty five minutes or so, or two hours forty five <laughs> oh, minutes or so. And so, if you stuck this together with Dead Reckoning Part Two, you could actually probably like filter out and make these into three separate movies between the two of these movies. Because I assume Part Two, one movie. (laughs) Well, yeah, but I assume Dead Reckoning Part Two is probably going to be close to three hours as well. Like, I can't, I can't imagine they split it up and we're like. Oh yeah, this is gonna be a lean ninety. It's like, well, then what the fuck? Just edit better, you know. So, um, I don't know. We'll we'll see how they kind of wrap this up. My my biggest question moving forward with this series is, and it sounds like Macquarie. Up until this point, it's been Brian De Palma, John Liu, J.J. Abrams, Brad Bird. He hasn't had returning directors, and for whatever reason he really just kind of hit it off with Macquarie who he has background with before this film franchise mm-hmm. and now it's just like they're just on a runaway train together and they've been making these for the past what since 2015 um and it's it's just wild. I think yeah, McQuarrie actually came in to do rewrites on Ghost Protocol, so he actually goes back to 2011. Um, and so, like McQuarrie is integral in the fact that we've had this run since 2015 with these films. And I'm just curious what what's going to happen moving forward because it sounds like McQuarrie has said that. Like he doesn't want to continue to make these, but if Tom Cruise still wants to make them and McQuarrie's like has an idea, I don't know if you're gonna say no to another another well, two mean, or could, three more of these. The, the unwieldy overlong script, and then maybe they could like, I don't know, Colin Trevorrow could come in and direct it. Maybe. Who knows? I mean, I, I would love to see McQuarrie like have a, a, a co-director, like have someone under his wing. I don't know if there is like a, a big stunt core coordinator here that has kind of 
tagged along as the uh, second unit director or anything like that. But, um, you know, I, I'd be interested in that. But yeah, I don't I don't know what's what is the future of this franchise if it doesn't wrap itself up with Dead Reckoning Part 2. And the issue is he had that option during Ghost Protocol. It was very widely known that, you know, it was supposed to be a handoff to Jeremy Renner. And then halfway through filming, they were like, oh, uh, Tom doesn't want to hand it over anymore. And so they had to rewrite everything. Um, so I just, I don't know what Tom Cruise is going to do with this thing because the joke has always been, he's going to die making one of these. And, you know, that's like, haha, but it's also like, is he like, I don't know. Like, he's he's getting up there in age and i think one of the things that i've kind of long said is he had kind of during ghost protocol he had kind of this okay i can continue to make these or i can hand this franchise off and i think he just internally had that debate and decided he wanted to continue to make these probably while he's still young enough to do these ridiculous stunts young enough i mean where does it end I don't know. And and I was I was joking with my wife. I was like, is he going to be the Tom Brady of like action stars where he's just like he's 70 and fucking jumping off a cliff still? Like, I don't know what when it ends. I mean, Harrison Ford, hopefully someone's taken his flight license away. But, you know, no, he's still he doing because I'm pretty sure he has been flying his son back and forth to college. No, I swear Harrison. to God. I'm God damn I'm, it. Sh- I'm positive about that. Uh, uh, so many parsecs. So, so for a little time. Um, but yeah, so I don't know what, I mean, Courtney, Brian, Robin, you've now seen two of these. <laughs> Would you like to see like three or four more of these? Like the wh- next one. <laughs> I've only seen one of these. Okay. I thought this you is my seen first two. mission colon impossible. This is the first mission okay. that she has accepted. <laughs> I also didn't know that was a reference to this franchise. I just thought it was yeah, a they cultural get, They get a thing and it says your mission should you choose to accept it and then it says this yep. message will self-destruct. Yep, yeah, I just beautiful. always thought that was like a you know, something, something from the 50s. Maybe it is. Maybe it's from the original. Well, yeah. Show. From the series, yeah. they take that. From I think so. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I just um, didn't know it was connected to this. I thought maybe it's like the man from Uncle or something. Courtney, how many more of these do you want? Um. Well, I was under the assumption that they were just going to wrap this up in two movies and be done. I think the second Tom Cruise decides he doesn't want to do them, Chris McQuarrie is also going to be like take an exit too. Mm-hmm. Um, like you you were saying like, I don't know what's going to happen in part two. So I don't know that he's going to like do uh, like uh, sort of try to do a handoff with what they tried to do with Renner taking over with perhaps Haley Atwell taking over. Cause since she's the new recruit and sort of positioned very, very, very subtly, I think um, Mm -hmm. to be the next Ethan sort of leading her own thing, but do I want to see a Haley Atwell, her own Mission Impossible? I don't know. If it looks good, if the story seems good, if they get a good director, sure, I'll continue, I guess. I don't know. 
if somebody <laughs> keeps keeps paying me to review these movies, I'll keep watching. <laughs> but just be honest. Here. <laughs> um, but I, I don't know. It just it depends. But you know, sure, they want to make more. Sure, I'll keep going with it. But I'm under the working impression that Tom Cruise is done after the second one. But you know, he always has something in his back pocket where he's like. Surprise, motherfuckers! I'm coming back because I just can't live without the adrenaline. So, <laughs> who knows? Maybe he'll be like, "I've got two more in me." I just like, I just can't like the 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 bad guy, quote unquote, in this movie is so uncompelling that I just like don't have any like I just don't care. Like honestly, like like the next movie could be amazing, and I just don't give a shit. Like this movie was so pointless like i i just you know like you gotta have a good villain and a, a fucking circle made of light that tells Isai morales when to jump off a train ain't fucking doing it for me you know like what the, the entity and everyone's just talking about this thing like it's totally normal it's so annoying i hated this it's so bad uh i'm sorry i just can't i just like like who gives a shit? They got to go find a dead Russian nuclear submarine to open its like sonar array and get the source code. And, uh, like I'm not interested in killing computers anymore. <laughs> I'm just not like, make it a man. Like the best thing about motherfucking ghost protocol was that end scene when it's just Tom Cruise and the dad from John wick knocking the shit out of each other and throwing cars at one another off of that crazy Dutch, maybe. I can't remember what city it ends in. Uh, like, car park. And then Tom Cruise having to, like, slap a button to stop a nuclear warhead from eliminating San Diego. Like, that was cool. That was stakes. I've got to stop a fucking AI that's apparently already been all over the world from from yeah. doing more things that it's i like who cares like what's it's it doesn't i i'm not interested i'm not like i just like don't and what's funny is actually i just saw the trailer for the creator earlier and i am interested in that one because spoiler for the trailer for the creator the the ai has created a bio organism child that may be a super weapon somehow. That's cool to you me. You mean it's Battlestar Galactica. It sort of seems like it, but I do mm. love Battlestar Galactica. Just the other day in church, I was thinking about mm. how awesome Good Battlestar toasters. Galactica was. <laughs> uh, just the other day, I was in church con contemplating the greatest television series about religion <laughs> of all time. I mean, it's pretty <laughs> great when you think about like, it the is. questions it raises. Yeah, I know. That's the point. I'm saying it. And that's why the creator looks why amazing. Why are we yelling? I don't know anymore. But the creator looks incredible because it's joining those two things. Like, that. Like I'm sorry, but if you've got David Washington speaking to a child that is part machine and the child's like, are you going to go to heaven? And he's like, no, I'm not. You have to be a good person to go to heaven. I'm like, great. A wounded man uh, with a dark past who's played by David Washington. I'm in. And then the kid says, well, we're both not. I think he's a charisma black hole, though. No, he's so fucking good. Oh, no, he's so good. And he's really fun in Ballers, too. And Ballers is not a great show. But so then the. Black Klansman, but I'm just saying that is some of his biggest criticism. 
I think he's not a charisma black hole. I think he is a charisma white dwarf. I don't know. What's the thing? What's the opposite of a black <laughs> hole? Um, Christ. He's not like Pat Sajak. What are you talking about? <laughs> I love that your concept of the most charismatic person on earth is Pat Sajak. Man's had a job for 40 years for this, some reason. This is a good point. Um yeah, what was I going to say? Uh, right, and then the kid's like, oh, so like we're both not going to heaven because you're not a good person and I'm not a person. And I'm like, boom, I'm in it. And in this movie, this he, like Tom Cruise looks at like an LED display of a of a Napster audio visualization and goes, it's afraid. <laughs> and I'm like, are we really standing in the middle of this strange Viennese white club while Palm Clementif is dressed... Like a nutcracker, and we're looking at the <laughs> screen, and we're saying it's afraid. Like, what are we fucking doing here? This is so ridiculously stupid. Like, why? Why was it so hard just to make Esai Morales a guy who wants like anthrax or something? Why are we going to this? <sighs> I don't know. Have we seen him before in this franchise? Isai, no, we haven't. And that's the craziest part is that like they show this black and white flashback to a dark-haired woman in an overcoat getting shot in a wet cobblestone street. And I was like, oh, are they doing the Spider-Man 3 thing where they're like retconning Uncle Ben dying to involve the Sandman? And now they're saying Isai Morales was somehow on the streets of Prague with the first team? And no, this is apparently back when Ethan was like a black market gun runner or something because this is it's the thing before that got him the IMF. caught and now he had to make the weird like oh I guess I have to join the the dirty dozen of the American intelligence community I have to join the suicide squad and yet never allow anyone to die it's so goddamn annoying and dumb and I clearly Courtney doesn't agree with me and <laughs> I don't know I, I just, think it's a way to tie in Haley Atwell coming in a like clear way coming in like i do agree that a woman's death launching his arc is stupid i hate that but i think it's a way of tying in how he got into the imf because we've never been shown that before so i think it's sort of just a very slight way of doing that but <clears throat> that's my only that's my read as to that scene i don't think it's I mean, I think it's dumb to have, I think it was dumb that she has a fucking character poster and she has zero lines. Um, but uh, yeah, so. Does she have a character poster? She does. And I was like, what? <laughs> Who's the woman that gets killed? Yes. That's weird. That's, well, that's weird. Confusing, I kept confusing her with, I was like, who is this girl? Why does she look like Haley Atwell? She looks so much like Haley Atwell. <laughs> they even cast a girl that looks like Haley Atwell. <laughs> is that Marie? I have no idea what her name is. I don't know. Um, I thought you were talking about Ilsa. No, no. Ilsa we all know. Ilsa we like. We all know Ilsa. Okay, because I was going to say, like, all, she also barely has a line in this movie. Right, because she's been in two other movies. Right? Yeah. It's fucking yeah. cool as shit in both of oh, them. Oh, sorry. And again, Palm Clementif, which again, Robin missed me saying this previously. Uh, I did. Because she was getting Sorry, a text there was about a death someone's grandmother family. dying. <laughs> <clears throat> 
Palm Clements. Why would you do that? We're cutting that. Nope, nope. <laughs> stay in now. This is how we get things to stay in, is we just have to reference them again and again until oh, they're geez. so inextricably okay, well, make, linked. Make your point that it's a cliche to have an Asian woman who does not speak for like the entire film. Okay. That's, is. That is a cliche. However, I would argue that as a person who looked at the script and said, I have no lines, she is able to build a more expressive and impactful character than literally any other human being in this movie. I Again, I feel more of a connection with and have a greater sense of the character of Palm Clementif's character of Paris than I do of Grace. Oh, he's got to save Grace. We're saving Grace. <laughs> oh, is there any room for Grace in this harsh world of ours? Will Grace okay. be destroyed by entering? Oh, please! Into you this fucking portal? love Grace. You love Terrence Malick. You love Grace. Anyway, yeah, I fucking love Grace. If 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 Haley Atwell spun in circles and touched wheat and let a butterfly land in her, this would be my favorite movie of the year. But she doesn't. Um, but no, a pumpkin okay, teeth but- is in this movie. Doing the Lord's work because while Tom Cruise and Haley Atwell are driving a car, Palm Clementif is like crushing shit in a giant militarized vehicle and laughing like a fiend. And that is Yeah, but also, (laughs) sure, I'm not saying she does a bad job, but in terms of characterization, we literally get nothing from her until she wormtails herself. What does that mean? What is wormtailing herself? I, I gotcha. Yeah. No. No. Okay, Bill, why say, you I got it? you. Someone's got to tell me what the fuck a worm tail is. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead, Bill. Oh, you want me to explain? Yeah. He he betrays his friends. Yeah. Who? Worm tail. What the fuck is a worm, worm tail? Is? Oh my god, Brian. Well, how many times have do I have to say what is any worm tail? Have you not watched the Harry Potter films? Okay, fuck the... watching the Harry Potter films. Have you not read the books? Oh, no. You think Brian read those? <laughs> Brian is the reader among us. I read. I know. Well, when, when Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone came out in America, I was in the middle of reading War and Peace. Don't <laughs> <laughs> kill yourself. <laughs> I have thought about it a lot, Robin. If it hasn't happened yet, odds are it's not gonna. You deserve a kick in the nuts for that line. That's fine. And you know it. <laughs> I only... You are a masochist. That. It's true that I said it, but it, and that it was happening, but I only said it now because I knew it would annoy you because it's so... You were not reading War and Peace in 1998. I don't buy it. You were not 11 fucking years old. Wait, did it come out in 1998 in America? Harry Potter? Sure. Someone yeah. looked this up. I'm, Harry my, Potter and Sorcerer's Stone. Release dates. You don't trust her, do you? Oh, yeah. No, it says Philosopher's Stone 1997. <laughs> Philosopher's Stone was published in 97. Sorcerer's Stone was published in the US, I believe, in 98, because Azkaban came out in 99 in the US. Interesting. The first time Get I was hearing about it, yeah. and it's possible that I just hadn't heard about it yet, and it was another day or so. But when all of my friends started reading it, well, I was. All my friends are reading it. I was in the middle of reading. Might as well read War and, War and Peace. Peace. No, I was already uh-huh. reading War and Peace by the time some someone came up and was like, hey, this book. But knowing Brian, he was like, oh, that's popular? No, not for me. Yeah, exactly. Well, it also took me like eight months to finish reading War and Peace. So like, <laughs> I don't know. 
<sighs> anyway, um, I'll have to go back and look, and I'll, I'll try to firm that timeline up. But I do know that when I first became actually aware of Harry Potter, it was someone saying, oh, have you heard of this book? And I was like, oh, no, I haven't. I've been like nose deep in War and Peace for so long. But anyway, so Wormtongue is is a what? He betrays not Wormtongue, Wormtail. Oh. There's a character who uh, is a villain who betrays his very close friends. Right. And the son of those very close friends, who's named Harry Potter, spares his life okay. because Harry is moral. Right. Wormtail then has this hanging over him for years as he's going through his, you know, villainy. And then years later, he ends up sparing Harry's life and subsequently suffers for it because the magical silver hand that he was given when he amputated his own hand for a potion actually uh, chokes himself to death. Wow, I was going to say that as a joke. I'm shocked that that's actually what happened. Um when is he introduced? Because I saw the first three movies and the last one. Okay. You gotta read the books. Uh, he was introduced in the third book. Yeah, Azkaban, right? died in the seventh book. Spoilers, everyone. Interesting. Well, anyway, no, I had no idea who that the was. Those are dark as shit. That's why they're good. Yeah, no, that sounds awesome. I'll have to... No, I'm not going to read them. What am I talking about? Um, well, your daughter is almost... Well, your daughter's like seven, right? Almost yeah. seven. She's got a couple of years before. I mean, she the reads first them. one's probably fine, right? Oh yeah, the first definitely one's great. Yeah. Although it's, it's like three hundred pages. <laughs> no, it's not dark. The first you one's not that dark. You literally have a specter on the back of a man's head. Right? Is it darker the- than the Land Before Time? I don't think so. Mm, there are yeah. dead parents all over the place. Do you they get the darker movie? as they go along. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, they seem to grow up. Mature. Which is why they've, they've stuck yeah. around so long. From Mission Impossible yeah. to anyway, Harry Potter. Palm Clementif was awesome in this. I really liked her. I, I, I was also confused why Ethan didn't kill her. Because he's, like, got no problem killing a bunch of other people. Um, and then she, and what's funny is, she asks him, like, why didn't you kill me? And he's like, fuck your question, dying woman. Tell me where the sub is. Or tell me where this key goes. <laughs> Um, and then she tells him and then she dies, but she doesn't actually die because Degas comes in and is like, I've got a pulse. So maybe Palm Clementif will be back in the next movie and maybe. What if she takes over? I'd be down with that. That sounds awesome. She definitely. That's feels, what I kind of thought was going to happen. Better, she's a better choice than fucking Grace. Who's like a scared. What? No. Grace can Haley be. Haley Atwell's Grace. Grace is she able to pickpocket people. That's like it. Well, that's it at, at right now. Ugh. Yeah, never heard of dynamic characters. I mean, yeah, she, right, she like, holds yeah, her own against her Gabriel. Does she? Yeah, she fights pretty good for a little bit, and then gets oh, kicked. Yeah. How did that happen? How do how how is it that she survives, but Ilsa Faust doesn't? Well, because he kicks her, and then Ilsa Faust shows up, and so clearly. I have one woman down, so she's, you know, what is it? Um, so is Haley, so is Haley Atwell, like, also, like, a champion of unarmed combat? Like, this is the problem. I have no idea who she is or what she's doing. Well, like, she's still lost. Skill set is. Right, but he should have, like, know. 
ended her immediately. Like if I tried to fight him, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't last three seconds. And she's just a pickpocket, right? Yeah, but that's, uh, that's why all she's we know special. About her. Sure. She can handle it because she's also a little Barbie doll who can bend in all sorts of ways. That's <laughs> correct. I don't know. Like I don't know Rose. why you put it like that. Because <laughs> like he's a oh, okay. G.I. Joe that can bend in all sorts of ways. This is true. He's very G.I. Joe-ish. Um, that doesn't age. Perfect. Great. Well, you know what? That's a little bit bullshit because you know that he's getting those D digital effects done and it looks amazing in the movies, but then you see him in real life and there's definitely a discrepancy there. I get. It. I mean, like, there's lighting. <laughs> doesn't and, like, bother you know, me. It doesn't really matter. I just like again. Like, I'm we, not. We I'm just saying. Out. Like the the narrative is that he looks so amazing for his age, and and he does, but also because he's photoshopped to death in these movies. Oh, I don't. I think yeah, this is the oldest he's he's looked in a while. He definitely looks more of his age than this film. You know, I mean, that's easy to say because he's older than any of the previous films. But no, I think I think he looks much older than what they kind of pretend he is in this film series to this point. But yeah. I mean, oh, hmm. I just like I don't see that. I just like I don't know why we had to add Haley Atwell. Like, why wasn't Ilsa Faust good enough? Like, and then I don't know why. I don't know. It's just like, it's a bummer. You don't have to know. That's okay. I feel like I've I know seen the whole movie. Because it's Haley Atwell. <laughs> it's it's Haley Atwell. Why wouldn't you say yes to that? And clearly they did. And they keep doing this. Like, this, this is this is not new. Like, it's it's weird that you're, like, getting hung up on why did they add her? Why didn't they just stick with the other way? Well, because that's just what they keep doing in these fucking movies. They, ha- they didn't like they the just last keep one. and like they will sometimes add a person in, but it's not like oh we're gonna swap out. Vanessa Kirby was definitely weird... an addition. She yeah, but she didn't like join the team and like Ilsa Faust. Didn't, She's like, about to to nowhere. Is she? I don't know. It doesn't even matter. Probably. It it matters. It matters to this billion dollar franchise for sure. Courtney, what did you like about this film besides the <laughs> fiat sequence? I'm tired of hearing Br- Brian ramble about how much he didn't like it. Oh, I want to hear someone bitch. talk about something good. All right, I'm going to yeah, text Brian, all my friends and see if any other grandparents are dead. Yeah, Brian, you're really bringing down the room. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Always bringing down the better, room. I wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> no, honestly, if I had been on your Dial of Destiny podcast, I would be like popping off for an hour straight welcome to my ted talk um (laughs) but mission impossible 7 the fiat uh is great because it also brings more physical comedy i think into this there's very much in that that. and i think it's a lot of fun um when it rolls over it's that is that is a great great yeah so great so great so i love that i think that's really great i think it's even though we've seen that motorcycle jump off the cliff we saw the whole behind the scenes making of thing uh you know we were essentially all online when that was like the footage was <laughs> going around the paparazzi footage so like we knew that was in there and we saw the trailer that we knew it was going to be in there but mm. when you see it in context with the film i think building it around Benji trying to get him and orchestrate him onto the train and Benji stressing out and stuff. I think that was really fun and cleverly done. Um, And that just feels sort of light and sort of delightful. 
uh, as well as like when he does do the jump, you're like, holy shit, you're still on the edge of your seat with your palms sweating going like, yeah, when, he's going to make it. So when they when they flash to that sequence, when he's in the air, still talking to Benji, I was like, oh, shit. It. They they had someone up there in the sky with him. That's mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah, so. I mean, like I had that realization on Fallout when they did the Halo jump, and it was like, uh-huh. there's a cameraman that has to go with him. Like he's putting a cameraman's life in danger. Like that's crazy. This is crazy. <laughs> we sure it's not a drone. And uh, no, no, there's actually somebody I think it would that's be very going difficult down with for them. a drone to keep up in that way. I. Don't know how this works. I think, <laughs> oh, that actually reminds me uh, another comparison I had to um, James Bond, which you can confirm or deny, is that these seem way less CGI heavy than those films. I don't know if the James Bond franchise is CGI heavy. I would say I most of those films are grounded. Yeah, maybe you're right, but I what I do remember of them is is the slickness. It could be also the art, the production design that i'm thinking of but well because yeah james a lot of in general is like you know suave like he's and ethan sure i'm more rugged i guess but like not really yeah i would say rugged but i'm also thinking of how gummy some of the cgi looked in at least the two films that i saw not that not that that the last one was bad um die another day okay well you can't oh for the love of god robin no (laughs) you can't you can't compare Die Another Day. I, well, that's why I'm asking because yeah, I don't know what stage. it looked like. I yeah. did not know what the Mission Impossible films looked like in the early 2000s. Well, I mean, did they some, look gummy? I mean, they have some like visual. I mean, Tom Cruise on top of the train in the first Mission Impossible is completely different than Tom, Tom Cruise on the top, top of the train, train here. Yeah. Um, like you can't like he's on speeding on like the t- the uh high-speed train like you know you can't really put him on an actual high-speed train going that fast but they did have a wind machine like blowing at him at like 60 miles an hour yeah, or something what's like that. fun about that movie is that it, it actually reminds me of um there was the joke in archer the fx show about how archer really mm-hmm. wants to like fight on top of a train and then he finally goes on top of the train and he's like oh shit it fucking sucks up here it's so windy you can't move <laughs> You're just getting beaten the shit just by the wind. And that's like hilarious to me. Um, and that's actually what they do in that first movie. Cause he like flips over just from the sheer uh-huh. power of the wind. It's incredible. And in this movie, he's like able to have a full on conversation and like gently waltz with Isai Morales. But it's still like, you can still like hear the strain in his voice. Like, mm-hmm. you remember that video that he put out on, it wasn't that long ago. I'm talking like it's years ago, but it was like maybe months ago where he was like, welcome back to the movies. And he was on top of the the uh, plane and he was still talking and his voice sounded really garbled and weird. Oh, and yeah. you still sort of hear that on the top of the train sequence uh, in a few scenes and sort of see his like, you know, cheeks wobbling a little bit. Um <laughs> But like, you know, it, it's different because it's, it's it's far more practical in this than in the De Palma film, which is more, I don't know, rear projection, visual effects. I don't know, more CGI in that one than there is, you know, but they hide it cleverly. Like the visual effects are probably, there's still visual effects going on here too. 
uh, but they hide it a little more, um, you know, just because technology's gotten better. They've hidden it a lot more. Um, I don't know what the word is successfully uh, in this Mission Impossible than maybe in some of the other ones in the past. So, but yeah, I um, and the, I, um, I don't know the train. The train falling was a little more clearly video gamey CGI. Yes. But other than that, yes. yeah, I think yeah. they, they did a really good job. I still I would, thought it looked cool. I, I think to yeah. me that sequence is up there with the Fiat sequence because I was pretty at the edge of my seat on that one. Did it feel a little Spider-Man-y? Yeah. It like, felt a little Spider-Man-y. Whatever. It reminded me of the much better scene in the Lost World Jurassic Park. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. There was a lot um, of this movie that just felt like it was recycled from other stuff. I mean, Haley Atwell is basically like Tandy Tandaway, Tandaway, Tandaway Newton's character in Mission Impossible Two. We're back on a train, you know. There's the the kind of like clearly like you know we're having another person on a train who might make like a lot. The whole train thing was basically Mission Impossible One all over again. I don't know. Yeah, like it's there's call outs. Yeah. The thing they is, do this. It's supposed to be that way because this is an amalgam of his past all coming together in but one movie. We do that in Fallout. Like, wasn't that? Yes, the whole we point did do Fallout? that. Was it the Fallout the of all we of did. his good intentions? Like there was that line that was missed yes. by that ginger man. We did do that in Fallout. And that's why repeating it in here it's a little more blunt and more um, obviously stated versus in fallout where it's more subtly stated, but you and bill hated fallout. So like, <laughs> so then here when it's more, and obviously you hate it here too, but <laughs> yep. more bluntly stated here, but some people are vibing more with it here. I guess but I it's just, still- I know what you're saying, but like, I don't know. Like there's a part of me. I'm not that, trying like- to convince you. You're like, your criticisms aren't real, but right, yeah. no, but <laughs> it is good to see someone who liked it. And that. yeah, I don't think you're going to change my mind. You're helping me to like, no, understand it. And I'm not viewpoint. meant to. Yes. Uh, unlike no, me I'm where I'm constantly fair. trying to win everyone to my side. Um, but what's funny to me is, is just like, Oh shit. I had a thing to say and now I can't remember what it was. Um, I just, Oh, I know what it was. I prefer these movies like James Bond when they don't have, like pre-existing lore. Like I'm fine with James Bond falling in love with the Russian woman and then being like, Oh, this, this mission just got more complicated. Um, I'm sorry for the terrible British accent. I'm quite tired, (laughs) but like, and I'm, I'm good with Ethan just being like, Oh, like I lost my team and I'm sad about that. But like when you get to, there's the scene in fucking specter, I think. Right. When specter's a bad movie, right? Well, so is this, but so like, and and Spectre like is the thing that I always go back to because this is like it's the 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 prototypical like I am the author of all of your pain like oh all those things that you thought were unrelated it was really me I did it I'm the guy haha all the other movies like you know are actually deeply tied to your history being like adopted by a Swiss family or something I can't even remember. But, like, this movie is trying to do that with Eastside Morales' character. And I'm like, why can't he just be, like, a dashing arms dealer who got a nuclear bomb that also has anthrax in it or something? Like, you know, like, why why do we have to do this stupid thing where we try to tie it into these people's 
uh, like emotional stuff. Like because without us actually giving a shit, trauma plot, trauma plot. That's why. Right, that sucks. I prefer. Like, like the first, like the second movie, they, they don't do the trauma plot, but they definitely do like the romance plot, but it's fun. Cause you know, they almost like flip it on its head. I mean, the person who's going to say the most positive things about mission impossible Two ever right now, like he has to recruit this woman. They're like, this woman is a professional thief. You got to like get her and blackmail her or convince her to help us on this thing. And he's like, cool, cool, cool. Definitely going to do it. Gets her. And then it turns out, whoops, the reason we actually want her is because she is the ex-girlfriend of the guy who's, like, got the virus that's going to kill the world. And Tom Cruise is like, I thought I was recruiting her for her, you know, like, skills as a thief. You know, not for this. And Anthony Hopkins is like, does that change things? Like, it doesn't matter. Like, we need her. And so you've got that whole thing. Like, you've built up all this stuff and the uncertainty and the lack of awareness and the emotions are in it now because they've like had sex after getting in a car crash because it was really hot. And um, yeah, like that stuff is fine because you're building that in. But this one, they're just like, oh yeah, this guy killed a woman we've never spoken about in six movies. <laughs> um, And here he is like either just made up or digitally de-aged for this flashback sequence. Uh, I don't know, like, does this do anything for you? And it's like, no, not really. Like, if the movie had opened with Tom Cruise and Ilsa Faust in that snowstorm, not snowstorm, opposite of that. Desert <laughs> storm? Yes, it's a it's a dust, it's a oh sandstorm. It's desert storm. It's not, it's not a dust storm. It's the kids are not in the Midwest in the 30s. It's not desert storm because we're not trying to liberate Kuwait. It's a sandstorm. It's a it's a storm in the desert. That's a desert storm. Okay, Bill. All right. <laughs> anyway. what i was gonna say is if the movie had opened up and they're like tom you gotta get the cruciform key half from ilsa who you know and he runs in and is like ilsa i'm here to like you know protect you slash get this key from you slash whatever and then you know something happens someone gets a drop on them and he knocks him out and then tom cruise can only watch while ilsa has like a real knockdown drag out fight and is then murdered in front of him early when they first try to fake you out and think she's dead. And then, you know, it turns out that that guy who killed her in that first scene is Esai Morales. Then you've built it in. Then we give a shit. But we're supposed to already care about this weird backstory you've never gotten before. And then this guy sort of kills her, like, on a bridge after beating the shit out of Haley Atwell after we already know he's, like, working for a computer virus. Like, it's just not... I just can't. I just can't with this shit. Like it's I think so I think what I like I think what I like about that sequence is because they give him this background of like how he really enjoys like twisting the knife like I said previously. And then he gets on this train sequence and Ving Grames, who is, you know, like master splinter throughout this entire film series, uh increasingly, uh gives him the sage wisdom and he's like Tom, like, or Ethan, uh, I know you, you know, want to complete this mission, but in front of that mission is Gabriel, and you know that we don't know the location of, you know, the artificial intelligence, so we can't have you kill him. So the mission is to, you know, 
I guess, disarm him, but not kill him. And so at that kind of crucial moment, when he's on the train, like he's he's about to stab that motherfucker and he's about to like let let himself go in that way. Um, I think that's that's a very clever like twist on such an obvious, you know, usual uh, you know, bad guy versus good guy fight is yes, I have to disarm him, but I also cannot just shoot him. I also cannot just stab him. I have to actually take him alive and potentially like, you know, uh, torture him or interrogate him or whatever and get the location out of him in some way, uh, which, you know, brings up a whole nother you know, can of worms. Uh, so I thought that was, that was a clever way of like, we can't have you just kill him. That's not going to work this time. Right. I thought you that was, have to actually like save him. And I, I thought that was interesting, but I feel like the, you know, and maybe I'm completely wrong. Clearly no one agrees with me, but I feel like the impact of that is reduced. If in addition to Ilsa dying, you also have this like random, like other like brown haired woman 30 years ago. Like I don't care about her. And the fact that she's there sort of hovering over all this saps, whatever interest I have in the fact that I'm looking at the man who murdered the best thing that Christopher McQuarrie has brought to these movies. Like it just is very weird for me for Ethan to come into this movie and be like this dude I saw a glimpse of is this other dude I sort of saw a glimpse of 30 years ago when he killed some woman that I don't even know we know her name or what the story there is. And then it's like, oh, and now she's also killed Ilsa. But like by this point, we've already been introduced to the other brown haired woman who's going to take her place. So we don't care if the movie had really opened up with Ilsa dying. And like we didn't have that stupid backstory with whomever the hell else that woman is. Then you'd be invested in it. You'd be living with it the whole time. Haley Atwell could come in and with all of her betrayals and stuff, you'd feel maybe like, oh, Ethan's trying to save her because he couldn't save Ilsa. Instead of like Ethan's trying to save her because like she's around a lot and he's a nice guy. I don't know. Like there's there's just something about the way this movie constructed that really rubbed me the wrong way. And I'm never going to be able to get over it. It's um, It's not great. I think it's my least favorite one of these. But what if she comes back in part two? Ilsa? Mm-hmm. Do we think that's going to happen? I would, I'd be so mad if that happened. Why not? I don't, because, like, I don't know. I just, like, I don't care. It's like, I you, just... You don't care. Someone's yeah, got to die. Excellent. People got to die. You know? Just, like, nah, it would be... Not it's, her. It's the same I'd, thing. I'd... I would, I would when, applaud. When Avengers, I would applaud. No, I would be fucking furious because it's such a, it's such a pointless thing to happen in this movie for them, them to, like, open like you know whip a, a a veil off of a box and be like oh she didn't really die she's just over here now i would be so annoyed with that because like i had to get over the fact that you wasted this character and now i want you want me to feel something that she's back other than just annoyance that you did a stupid thing in the first place 
I, I think I think that would be clever because I am annoyed that she's dead. And if you bring her back and now I am no longer annoyed that she's dead. That's a that's a perfect, beautiful solution to my annoyance. Why, you know, one of my minor no quibbles in that. Bill. Right. There, there is no. Uh, there, there is no integrity in this series, Robin. They have masks all the time. Like, yes, it doesn't matter when people die, they stay dead. And like, I don't know, you need, you need we see something. her, we see her fake die in this film already. Well, that was an annoying thing. In all honesty, I was just like, why and where and what the fuck is going on here? Like, why is this happening? Like, why, like, why did we got a fake death? Because they like, can't the know that because everybody's going to keep coming after her because she has the key. So they take her off the board. She's dead. No one's going to come after her. By they hide her, her like the weird Bedouin outfit of like another random woman. Like, <laughs> did no one go and like verify who all those dead people were? <laughs> how are you going to do that? They well, they do, set so her they on fire. God. Oh. All right. I don't remember that, but I'll take you, a word for it. You, you, are, you are making this so complicated and like, and, and acting like this is, I think it's just this a poorly is constructed movie and it's not uh, they, very good. And all of the emotional stakes are hamstrung by a bunch of very poor narrative choices. That's not complicated. That's just. I also, I, I also think that her death, like it felt even more clear to me the second time around uh, to be clear. I think she should stay dead. Um, yes. Not because I don't like her. I love her in these movies. Like I absolutely love her. I think she's a wonderful person in real life. I think she's a great actress and I love her in these movies, but I think she should stay dead. Um, But the reason why she goes to the place to sort of rescue or fight um Isai Morales uh, is to because she knows that's what Ethan would do. Ethan would sacrifice himself to protect Mm -hmm. the team. They even have conversations about it beforehand about how he's not supposed to go and rescue put any of his other team members. And, you know, that's not Ethan's thing that he's it's so hard to explain because I feel like I'm talked out at this point. (laughs) But like uh Ethan, no, is, he, he, Ethan will he, he, always put someone else above his own needs. And that's the internal core of his character. And Ilsa hmm. is exactly like that. So that's why she goes and fights him and unfortunately dies doing it. And so those are her motivations is because she knows that's what Ethan would do. And she's so much at this point like Ethan and he knows it too. So it's the unfortunate sort of like casualty of their circumstance trying to fight this guy. So it's supposed to raise the stakes. And if you feel cheated, I mean, I can't convince you to get out of it, but this is, this was my read on the whole scene and the situation. If that makes I sense. Like- I like that a lot because I think I can't remember if it's in Fallout or Rogue Nation. It's one of those opening sequences where Ethan has to make the choice between letting like this uranium isotope or whatever the fuck nuclear piece. And he ends up choosing to help Benji and Ving Rhames and uh, instead of securing the payload. And so the whole film is basically him basically trying to make up for that mistake 
Um, and so they do a good job in that film. And then, yeah, they're, they're carrying it over, over and over where, you know, they've kind of set, set up that he will sacrifice the mission for his team. And I, I like that a lot. Yeah. I, I like that read. I, I appreciate that Courtney. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, you. that's what a second, that's what a second viewing like unlocks. Right. Because <laughs> like this one, this one is definitely to me, these, especially the McCory films are kind of like Coen brothers films where you're like, the first time you're watching it, you're so in the I'm middle of it that you're like, right <laughs> let me make my point that you're like, oh, shit, this is so convoluted and so complicated. And you start to lose yourself. And it's only on like second or third rewatch where everything starts to kind of fall into place um, that you start to kind of pick up on on smaller details because, you know, these films are very bombastic and very, you know, over the top in a lot of ways. So. But I also like, you know, again, to be fair, like if Brian is not plugged into the movie at that point, Brian, if you're just like not in totally respect that, totally respect that. It's Mm -hmm. fair. If you're not, if you're not liking it, if it's just not vibing with you, totally get it. Like my husband, he also was sort of pushing up, sort of like bumping up against certain things too in the movie that I was like, oh, well, I think it's sort of this and that and the other, but you know, total respect. So if you don't like it, you're not vibing with it, you're not going to be immersed in that world and you're not going to, you're just going to be constantly questioning, well, why is this happening? What is happening here? It's not just criticism. It's like this hyper form of like, focused criticism that you sort of go into. I've totally been there. Like I've totally been there. The the main problem is that like, it just doesn't, it just doesn't feel like it, like it fits. Like I know that we've established now with the Macquarie movies that like, and I thought this was a good thing about rogue nation was that the idea of like, he can't lose another team, you know? Oh, like the, the events of the first movie were so traumatic that he is now like outsized, very opposed to losing a team, which again, I feel like they should put him on desk duty. Whatever. <laughs> I'm not HR. So that's like, fine. I don't, I don't think they job. have an HR. <laughs> I don't know. They had that. They had that whole building where he went with uh not Scoot McNary. What's the guy's name? Billy Crudup in the third movie. I don't, I don't, they, they I, don't got I don't remember space. that. Got a, but anyway, what I was going to say is, um, so I get that. I like like it's it's just weird that like his superpower is doing crazy shit and his like his what do they call it? His one weakness is like friendship. Fine. Mm-hmm. That's whatever. But it's just I don't know. Like uh, yeah, at that point I was just opposed to it. Like I just didn't like that whole thing. And I don't I don't think that they do a good job of establishing Gabriel as being a very threatening presence even though they're like he likes to twist the knife. I'm like, great. I haven't seen that. He seems like a very effective killing machine. It's not like he's doing a bunch of weird, random shit. He's not fucking jigsaw. You know, he comes in, makes a threat on behalf of a, a computer program. Again, I will scream out. And then he waits on a bridge. He knocks the shit out of a pickpocket that I don't know anything about. And then Ilsa Faust shows up 
spars with him for three seconds and then dies. It's not like a particularly interesting or meaningful death for her. It it underplays her. It at the same time does nothing to enhance him in my eyes. It just feels like lazy storytelling without any sort of narrative or emotional engine behind it. And so like, even though we, we like say like, Oh, he's not willing to sacrifice. Like I understand all that, but on a pure plot level, it delivers without actually giving any like narrative tension or cohesion or stakes or anything. Like it's just, it's such a waste of her character and he is, is wasted in this. And it's just, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, Maybe I am at the point where it's just a bitch eating crackers thing, but I th- I honestly look at this movie and I see all the things that it's trying to do, and it just goes about it in the worst way. And Bill telling me that I was right about how I viewed this movie as being written <laughs> really just annoys the shit out of me. Because if I'm going to give you three hours of my life, you owe me as a storyteller a little more than that. But anyway, um, I'm willing to let that be the last thing I said. Other people can make their closing statements or whatever, and then we can uh, we can pack up and get out. I think, I think what? Go ahead, Robin. Yeah, it's fucking okay. a while. Ahead, yeah, no, okay. Okay. we haven't go, heard but... Robin in a while, so let's let Robin speak. No, I mean, I, I, it's hard for me to to sort of grok what you're saying. I mean, I I get it from like an intellectual standpoint. At the same time, I'm like, we, they fell off of cliffs. Like, that's really where I'm at with this movie. Yeah, so, you're you're in it for the entertainment and for, you know, the loose stakes, not the high stakes. Yeah, I also have nothing to compare it to. So I, I yeah. get what you're saying, but I have no, I have no stake in the game here. Well, I liked it for what it was. Do you think that you're going to watch the other ones? Well, we're going to review watch the it. First so. <laughs> I'll definitely watch the first one and then I'll see, you know, if I, if it's worth continuing. Cause mm-hmm. I know. think, I think you should watch the second one just to remember uh, the pre nine 11 America. <laughs> <laughs> I remember just, plenty about pre nine 11 America. <laughs> just to like, just to like see the opening and hear the limp biscuit and the Metallica and see uh, all the cool explosion uh, stuff. You should definitely, yeah, you should definitely watch one. Like I'm an advocate, of course, I said it before watching all of them, but you should definitely see the jump in like the difference, the complete and yes. utter like, whiplash difference between one and two. Two mm-hmm. is just like pure bombast. Mm-hmm. And like, the stuff at the uh, I, I want to spoil it for you, but I don't want to spoil it for it's you. With so the motorbike, because I'm good. going to the motorbikes and like doves, the doves. I mean, it's got it's John Woo, so it's big, and he likes those big mm-hmm. spectacle moments. Um, I don't, I still don't love it, but I love the jump in difference. Like I admire that sort it's, of crazy. It's so awesome, and it's like we don't really get that <laughs> anymore. And it was fun mm-hmm. to go from De Palma to woo abrams you're like all right yeah we've kind of got the train back on the tracks whatever bird was incredible and then yeah macquarie i i kind of have the same issue with macquarie that i i voiced about mangold where like i like james mangold but like in an indiana jones movie i don't think he's bringing anything visual to the table and i don't know that macquarie's really doing 
He's doing a lot of Dutch much. angles in this so one. So many fucking Dutch angles. Oh, I noticed that. This whole movie took place again, in the Netherlands. that's why I said it was a dumber, funner, cheesier. James Bond. But see, yeah. like, I think if you saw like Skyfall and Casino Royale, you'd be like, oh, mm-hmm. I understand what these things are at their best. I really don't even know what's it's like if you if you watch this movie and then you go and see the first Mission Impossible, you're going to be like, what the fuck happened? Yes. Like the change. Like, But what's even what's what's even funnier is as big as the jump is between the first one and this one, the jump between the first one and the second one is even crazier. Mm-hmm. So I would uh, Robin, say, yeah. Robin, have, have your husband video you after each one. <laughs> I want to see like a visual reaction video. <laughs> Okay. All right. All right. I feel this. You're like, ooh, yeah. this is like a paranoid, shadow-soaked <laughs> European thriller. And then the next one, you're gonna be like, what is this crazy gunfu, long-haired, like spinning camera with the 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 moony eyes? And then the third one, you'll be like, oh, this is like an episode of Alias. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the yeah. fourth one, you'll be like, this is the greatest thing ever committed to film. Mm. And then you'll see uh, it's live action The Incredibles. Yeah, you'll see Rogue Nation, and you will say, "Oh, I thought I already saw this movie, and it was called Day Reckoning Part One." And then you'll see Fallout, and you'll say, "Oh, (laughs) this is like a worse version of that movie I think I just saw." Also, the music in this movie I thought was pretty underwhelming. It felt like a mashup of um, of Inception and The Incredibles. Okay, that's a weird pull. It was like really. Giacchino really like, has has done a few of these. He's done, I think, right? three and four. No, this is definitely not Giacchino. Right. So that was my thing. Is I was like, oh, like I guess Giacchino is just like pulling some leap motifs. And then I looked it up. I was like, oh no, I don't know who the fuck this person is. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Rogue Nation is is the best soundtrack for me. Um, I I'd still listen to that one. Um, that one's I think, great. Uh, I think Go to Call is probably my number one for the soundtrack. Um, All right, let's get out of here. Yes, Courtney, do you have right. any final statements you'd like to make before we wrap up? Mm, no, I'm good. All right, cool. <laughs> Glad to hear it. Uh, looking forward to seeing Pom Clementif and all the gang return in Rogue. No. <laughs> uh, don't, don't fucking lie. You are not looking forward to that. No, I'm not. Yeah, um, but was that a joke on the fate of her character? She's alive. Hopefully. Oh, Robert, I thought she actually, alive. I forgot that she was yeah. alive after it, she died. There's a line I forgot. That, that somebody. Yeah, it's yeah. like we got the pulse. Yeah, yeah I remember Correct. that. She, so she gets stabbed and dies, but then comes <laughs> back just long enough to help to lift the weight of two other human beings and then <laughs> to give some plot necessary information and then die again only for like the 18th lead after Shea Wiggum to come in and say off camera, we've got a pulse. Stay with me. Did she die another day? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I was going to make a reference to that. You only, you only live twice. What's the other bond film name? Dr. No, (laughs) no, (laughs) not that one. What have you oh, my favorite part of this movie was when Tom Cruise says, like, I, I don't know what the sentence was, but he says, <laughs> fall, fall, like, 
oh, she, like that fall was really hard. Like, I don't know what exactly it was, but it was <laughs> it it was just so unexpected. Like, my favorite what? part was when the uh, cypher asked Benji what was most important to him. And he said, my friends. Oh, yeah. And then treated it like he just like spilled the beans on the universe, basically. <laughs> he did treat it like I was a big thing. Like, oh God! Now this inanimate object knows that I care about my friends. Like who? Who doesn't care about your friends? If you, you don't care about your friends, they're not your friends. Like it should have been like my wife, and then everyone would be like, "Benji, you have a wife." And he's like, "I don't talk about it because I don't want to be targeted by a terrorist." Okay, anyway, can I'm we just sorry. say we that keep... Simon Pegg is like never a value add? Oh, you don't like my drop, my drop. I just. Aww. I don't. You you had to end on that note, Robin. And that's the last <laughs> thing we'll say about this movie. I don't know when Mission Colon Impossible M Dash Dead Reckoning Part Two <laughs> comes out. August of next year. Okay, I think so. <clears throat> Courtney will have you was... back for the the sequel. <laughs> okay, but I want to hear. I want to hear if Brian does decide to go or if he's just done. Done. I think it's He'll still host. Do we know <laughs> I mean, how long June, it's gonna be? June. This is just June twenty eighth, twenty twenty four. Okay, at least it's like next year. I guess that's I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'll be back on for sure. Yeah, have me back on for. I'll come back <laughs> on for that. But I, I'm very interested if this is the one that just. It sounds like this is the one that just broke you, Brian. Like so you like, are just. The, oh, yeah. every movie fucking breaks him. Don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're so mean. Um, what I was gonna say is like. I, even though I did not like Fallout, I enjoy this movie series so much that I would have gone and seen this even without the the podcast, right? I okay. do think that as a civilian, had I watched this, I would have said, this is fine, I'm done. Unless like the trailer comes out and it's incredible or something. But like really, like, you know, outside of my professional uh, obligations yeah i don't foresee or need to watch the next one because like the fact that the macquaries have smeared in my brain so much i just don't think i'm gonna get it like if they announce one that was directed by like gareth evans or something i'd be like okay i'm back like let's do this i'd love it if they would just get back to giving the movies to some interesting fucking people. Like I joked earlier about Colin Trevorrow doing one, but like, I really do think they need to get the fuck. Is that how you pronounce it? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. This has been like a lot of crazy names in this episode. Yes, Trevorrow. Like tomorrow. I thought it was Trevorrow. Here we go. Hmm. Who knew? I thought it was Trevorrow too, but. I think I, earlier in this episode I said Trevorrow, and now I've said Trevorrow. So I'm covering I've, my bases. I've met him. I've interviewed him, and what I don't even know. I, yeah, I have I too, and I don't remember. You just call him No, you, you, don't, you don't say his name at all. You just go, hi, nice to meet you. I watched your movie. Yeah. Let's talk about your movie. Oh, like I don't ever nuts. have to say his name. No, when I, interviewed, I, say his name? When I interviewed S. Craig Zoller, I asked him, like, how would you like to be referred? Like, you know. When I when I when wow. say your name, he like S Craig. <laughs> yeah, I was like, is it S? Is it Craig? Is it S Craig Zoller? And he's like, you just call me Zoller. I was like, oh, okay, cool. The, the last name alone. I used to rock that in college. Ew. Hannah Waddingham okay, well, okay, is wait. in the next one, and Nick Offerman as well. Oh, I'm so not watching. Looking forward to that. Shit. Um, <laughs> what was I gonna say? Uh, oh, Robin. The reason that I went by my last name in college is because I was on the crew team. 
Mm-hmm. And my last name is Rowan. Yeah. There we go. Thank you, Bill. Can I cancel you once again? <laughs> I mean, like, I'm uncancelable. I'm not important enough for a cancellation to stick. That's so true. <laughs> I know. You're you're important enough in my life to cancel you. Oh, best friends. Anyway, let's wrap this up. We've all got places. Yeah. To go. I got cake to eat. I got to be up for a You got fucking flight. cake to eat? I have to review a movie. Share it. <laughs> Share your cake. What kind of cake is it? It is a yogurt almond cake. Oh, never mind. Oh, I saw that pick. Yeah. Vanilla bean mascarpone that I literally scraped from that fucking vanilla bean pod. Oh, nice. <laughs> maraschino cherries. Maraschino. Is it mascarpone or is it mascarpone? Depends on the region, but I say mascarpone. Okay. I'm, a, wait, wait, wait. I'm the kind of Italian Say, say maraschino. Maraschino. Oh, that sounds so much better than that actual cherry taste. Oh, I love that cherry. It's so candied. <laughs> you got to use the uh, the juice that it comes in as like a cocktail mm-hmm. syrup. That's mm-hmm. where the joy is. Yeah, or a Shirley, uh, Shirley uh, Temple. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's better than a grape Anyway, anyway we got to. I'm now. You got to get me to go. my cake now. <laughs> get her to that cake. Um, Take me to cake. <laughs> <laughs> so All right, I don't, know how, I don't know how the rest of that I was going to make a cake by the ocean <laughs> joke. So I guess it's better that we did a take me to church joke. Anyway, um, Robin, what are we talking about next week? Barbie! Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. So, so. Not so my kin. Not my excited. kin. I can't Whoa. believe I can't believe poor Ryan Gosling had to be like, I'm sorry, I'm I'm old for your kin. Like, fuck off, children. Wait, is that a thing uh, that happened? Yes, it is. Incredible. Yeah. A lot of TikTokers who you should know about, Brian. I'm not um, on Barbie. Even though talk. they're yeah, well, I'm on that. They, they are saying real talk. There was there was like a hashtag of not my kin. And I was just like, Jesus Christ, how how can you talk down? Oh, to my Ryan God. Gosling? I thought you were saying kin. Like, no, <laughs> like my family. No, mm, not not my kin. And for all the confused yeah. people, we are reviewing Barbie before Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer will be coming later like the next yep. week so don't fucking freak out it's like three days in between recordings yeah because of robin's consulate or whatever she's doing your conclave <laughs> what is it conference oh yes what are you conferencing I, about? I'm like conference. Uh, <laughs> i work at a university and it's related to a university okay yes robin related works to working at, at an east coast learning institution that shall not be named Mm-hmm. And she's Excellent. conferencing about things related to or ancillary to that yes. position. The entity. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> We're only going to call it the entity from now on. It's something I would have done when I was 11 years old and I couldn't think of a better word for something. The, oh, yeah. That's the definitely entity. like, let's not call it this. Let's come up with a better thing. But let's call it like, you know, in the script, we'll just write the entity. And then the first mm-hmm. day of shooting came and it's like, Chris, we never renamed it. It's like. Fuck it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. All right, where can the fine folks find us at home? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Let's find <laughs> out. Uh, also, don't forget, movie, M-U-B-I dot com slash film stage. You can watch 72 and an Altman film. 
um, amongst many other great things. Let's tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time we shout in their ears. Courtney, we're looking forward to seeing you back in a year to talk about Dead Reckoning Part 2. But until then, where can people find your work online? Uh, you can mostly find me on Twitter at Lula Maybell or Instagram also at Lula Maybell. Um, you can find some of my reviews on Variety, uh, FreshFiction.tv, and The AV Club. All right. Bill Graham. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CableBFG, but I don't tweet much. It has nothing to do with Twitter. Just don't use it very often. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at BillStagram. And you can find me always mixing it up on the Slack channel. And for fans of Macquarie, he said that this is not going to be the final send-off. So, yay! Wait, more the of final these. send-off for... Oh, so there's going to be more Mission Impossibles after mm-hmm. Dead Reckoning Part 2? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With Tom? Did he say with Tom? Uh, Cruz expressed interest in continuing to make further films, specifically, apparently citing uh, <laughs> uh, Indiana Jones star Harrison Ford. Oh, my. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I do like again, I do like him in these movies, but you know, at a certain point, you gotta you gotta go you gotta bow out gracefully. Well, he, he didn't have a gracefully. shirtless scene. Fully. Oh boy. He didn't have a shirtless scene in this film. So this is true. This is true. Yeah. His his vanity only goes so far. Is he gonna be full of grace or is grace? Or no, maybe him? he's so vain that he didn't have a a topless scene. You could you could do either way. Yeah. Glad that no I'm one's saying, to like, heard my joke. You could be so vain that you don't want to have a topless scene because it would be too revealing. Because you're like, oh yeah. I thought I first I thought you were making a joke about like having veins, like varicose veins. Now I realize you mean he's I got like, I got I got you. Cool. Yeah. I understood what you're saying. Yeah, I figured I got the clerk's reference. 37. <laughs> well now you kids know. <laughs> we do we do and now we you'll do. never be able to hear that number again without thinking <laughs> <laughs> that is gonna be a problem All right. and i'm just gonna reference this podcast instead of referencing clerks <laughs> we've taken it so back. on this podcast we've taking it from clerks it's gonna be uh it's ours now all right robin Barr, what about your own self uh you can find me on twitter although i don't tweet as much as i used to uh, at R-O-B-Y-N-B-A-H-R. Uh, you can also find me on Letterboxd, where I just log the movies. I don't really review them. I do rate them, though, uh, at a four. And you can also sometimes find my writing at The Hollywood Reporter. You might find her at that conference. Are you on, <laughs> are you on threads, Robin? Oh, I am on threads, but also I've posted twice to very little reaction. <laughs> you skeeted twice? No threads. I, you don't. I have ski, not skeeted. I have stitched. <laughs> I'm not on Blue Sky yet. I do not. I have not gotten an invitation. Uh, I'm not on Blue Sky due to lack of demand. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, you can find me on all of the sites of which I am a part and have been invited uh, at Brian J Rowan. What else? Um, you can go and find out more about the whiskey that I've alluded to throughout this episode by going to inkwellwhiskey.com and learn more there. And, of course, uh, you can find my writing over at thefilmstage.com where you can also find every episode of this here podcast for your listening pleasure. So, ladies and gentlemen, 
Thank you so much for joining us and sticking with us through this episode. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. All right. All right, that was fun, y'all. Wait, you didn't wait for the for the drop, man. Come on, I can't. You I can can't add just, it in and post. I can't let the the ending of the thing <laughs> just linger. I try to keep these the music clips short so I don't get like crawled by an algorithm and pegged <laughs> for a thingamabob. You know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> good, good stuff. Good stuff. I'm yeah. too tired to think of words right now. Oh, I'm still recording too. Hold on.